Guys, we've got trouble. Insane mutants and sentient weapons are pouring out of Rivet City. We've got to shut it down somehow. This won't be easy. We can distract the mutants by giving them New Jersey, I think. But those sentient weapons have to be brought down by cutting off their power. It wouldn't be that hard with a standard power plant, but what they came up with here is insane. Everything's powered by methane? Something about Australian pigs made them strong and resilient when the bombs came. Rivet City's been sharing tech with someone down under. Damn it, Jim. They weren't supposed to have this technology. We have to go inside. That's the only way to bring this thing down. Fools! No one can get in here undetected, and no one leaves without a match. You're now a part of Thunderdome. Mom, are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite show. We talk about the RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host... Sure, let's go with Mike Minky. Why not? Why I can go not? by any number of names, but that's probably the most appropriate one. Because that's the one on your driver's license. Sure. That's... You know what? Let's totally not how go. it works. Totally. We, we don't need to have any governmental information go through these channels. No. You have to excuse Mike. He's under the effects of radiation poisoning. But uh, thankfully, we've got two people to help us talk about our game tonight. We have Mr. Scott Wachter. You darn mutant kids, get off my lawn. And Miss Sam Marshmallow. Believe it or not, that's not going to be my last name for much longer. <laughs> Maybe I'll still Ma-ha. call you Marshmallow, though. I like calling you Marshmallow. You you know what, Phil? For you, you can call me Marshmallow anytime. Yay, Marshmallow. I mean, it's like, this is like, we're past 100 shows now. It's kind of stuck in my head. I know, that's going to be the hard part when I change my last name, huh? Yeah. But we all know that the real RP Gamer Power couple is still Michael and Becky Cunningham. <laughs> I totally not being married. <laughs> we will get them together again, and it will be an excellent non-marriage. Uh, that's, that's too funny. 
Um, but what's not funny is radiation poisoning and what happens when you blanket the earth in nuclear bombs. That somehow don't filter through the water table after 200 years. Nope, water table's still good. Which makes it. This is. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, uh. So we're. They used a selective kind of neutron bomb. We're gonna. We're gonna talk about the, uh. The imperfect science of nuclear fallout in our discussion today of Fallout 3, which is our main event. And uh, we'll follow that up with a blast from the recent past and wrap it up with the final lap. All that, your comments, and so much more on tonight's episode of the RPG Backtrack. Hold on tight. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? The room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said, quote Ain't that a hole in a boat My head keeps spinning I go to sleep and keep grinning If this is just the beginning My life is gonna be I've sunshine enough to spread It's just like the fella said Tell me quick Ain't love a kick In the head Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head The sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a boat? My head keeps spinning. I go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. She's telling me we'll be wet. She's picked out a king-size bed. I couldn't feel any better or I'd be sick Tell me quick Boy, ain't love a kick Tell me quick Ain't love a kick In the head I don't want to set the world on fire Simply ignite a flame in your heart But in my heart I have but one desire That one is you No other will do Wow, Scott, you've totally missed your calling. You need apparently to be the, a post- Apparently we couldn't find another Louis Armstrong track to open. Yeah, you totally need to be a post-apoptolytic singer. That is so your calling. Awesome. He's speechless. Well, now. Uh, well, I'm the- sure when the bombs hit, I will be around to keep broadcasting and reminding people of their alignment scores. <laughs> Don't feed the Yaguai. That is all. 
Tonight for our main event, we're going to be talking about Fallout 3. The main event is that part of the show, the meat of the show, where we take a one game or a series, a series, a game series, and we focus in on it and discuss it to death. Tonight's selection is Fallout 3, developed by Bethesda Games. I, sh- I really need to butcher that name. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bathy Game Studios, published by Bathy Software, Ubisoft. This was released in the U.S. of A. on October 28th, 2008. This comes at you on Microsoft Windows XP, Microsoft Vista, and Microsoft Windows 7. Your Xbox 360, your PlayStation 3 comes to you on a beautiful Blu-ray disc or DVD or digital downloads. Get it today. If you call it Bathy Studio, then that implies that the game is clean and well scrubbed. Mm. Is that appropriate? Maybe. Dirt. Dirt never changes. Also, that's true. Dog meat is awesome. Dirt. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Now. Oh, sorry. Wrong song. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong song. So that's okay. Let's talk about the story behind Fallout Three. Who wants to talk about the that, story? That's Scott's job because yo, um, Scott. What's up, okay. buddy? So I have this Dante Hicks sort of relationship with Fallout 3, where I, I like it well enough, and it, it, it's something I could do most days, but something, sort of the worst possible thing in a video game could happen, and you just have to sit there and say, you know, I'm not even supposed to be here today. So Fallout 3 is set in Washington, D.C., 200 years after the bombs have dropped, except the entire setting behaves as though the bombs dropped 20 years ago. Because here are the following things that do not last 200 years in a goddamn swamp. Concrete, radiation, snack cakes, TV dinners, bullets, um, metal of any kind. And water. Oh no, water lasts. Water no, but not in, the way, not in the way this game thinks it does. <laughs> <laughs> And to top it all off, so so your dad is Liam Neeson, and he has an engineering problem. And rather than deal with an engineering problem, he decides to move in to one of the famous vaults from vault Apparently this one is open to people after the bombs dropped. And he, after 20 years of, you know, raising a kid and doing his best to contribute to society of the vault, which is terrible, he... he Real, he finally discovers where where the Gek is. Except this time it's the goddamn Genesis device from Star Trek 2. And he needs that rather than to, say, truck it up river, set up an entire a paradise on Earth with it. No, he needs to pull it apart so he can fix his engineering problem so that he can filter radiation out of water that shouldn't be irradiated by this point. And then you have a stupid moral choice at the end. Unless you pay $10, and then you can get railroaded for 10 more levels by the Brotherhood of Doesn't Do Shit. Did I mention I hate the Brotherhood that doesn't do shit? (sighs) I hate those guys. I don't care that they're iconic and are on the box. Well, the Bethesda does not understand what their role in the setting is. Just like how they don't understand moral choice systems. Now, in my in my quick investigation of this game, it seems that certain things are not the same from the Fallout 1 and 2 universe. Like, nope. well, the time that the bombs fell. Well, 1 and 2 have some continuity errors and some issues um, in, in just tone. And then you add a completely different bunch of people who 
have a very dysfunctional relationship as a writing collective if you've played the entire Elder Scrolls series. And it just, it, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> See, I, like Scott, I don't like the story in this game, mostly just because the more you think about it, the more of a mess it is. And yet, I couldn't stop playing the game. See, the- that's the thing. It, it, is, it is glorious to play. And it, then it, someone it, talks, and then you're done. <laughs> See, my, my thing is, I love the atmosphere of the game. I think the atmospheric elements, you know, being in the waste and trudging around and killing the mutants and all that kind of stuff, I like that part. Because you know what? The tone, the tone works for, for the atmosphere. It doesn't work for the actual story. Um, but I saw that, that Ron Perlman does the narration. Does that help at all? No, because well, it's still frustrating. Because well, the except story the, makes no the sense. narration is poorly written this time around, especially the the the, the closing narration that makes me sad Ooh, in my the, in my the, gamer place. The um the ending. I don't even want to go to the ending yet because the ending is such oh. a mess. It's such a mess. Either of them. Oh, that's the thing. What I love is Bethesda's like, here's your ending. Then they give you DLC that gives you ten more levels and is annoyingly long. Um. And it's an even crappier ending. Yeah. So really, except you, you, redeemed only by the fact that you can finally nuke the Brotherhood, which I did. Literally I or figuratively? No, literally. Uh, literally. You can drop space nukes on the Pentagon, and the Brotherhood of doesn't do junk. And you have a choice. You you don't necessarily have to do both. I did both. Yeah. The Pentagon deserves. Let's face it. In, mm-hmm. in this series, yes. I. My favorite aspects of Fallout, truthfully, are making my character and giving them perks and using my perks to my advantage. Now, keep in mind, because, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to play Fallout 3 at one point. I was just like, Scott, I am pissy and I am not getting this and I don't want to play it. And all of a sudden he's like, okay, try New Vegas. So I played New Vegas. I was like, I'm in love with this. This is the best game ever. I don't care that there's glitches and bugs. And then I went back to Fallout 3 and I was like, I want Fallout New Vegas again. He goes, yeah, well, you're not getting that. And I cried a little bit. Um, my character in Fallout 3 was named Precious. Um, and then my save file was deleted by Scott's roommate because she hated me. I don't actually know if that was her reason. So, um, well, when apparently, I... well, she was too busy hogging up about three gigs for save files for things. She had over 100 save files for Fallout 3. <sighs> I don't know why. Um, and those save files are like 10 megs each. And were, I had a 20 gig Xbox at the time. It was not fun. So that but, um, took up half your memory card. Yeah, yeah, half half of it. The other half was full of rock band songs, which are awesome. <laughs> we, we cried a little bit, and basically when she wasn't looking, we deleted all the save files. Um, Slowly, she deleted She deleted mine. She deleted mine, and I was very sad because I worked very hard to craft Precious. Um, so when I replayed it... The second time, I created Precious 2 Electric Boogaloo. He had pink hair, was Latino, and looked like Enrique Iglesias. Minus not on the purpose. pink hair part. Not, not on purpose. But um, hey, points to Sam for sitting there and creating a person in a Bethesda engine that looked human. <laughs> Mine was pretty good looking, I gotta say, actually. Um, and you know what? You know what bugged me? You know what grinds my gears? My dad was still white. Yeah, that that your dad is always <laughs> Liam Neeson. So you know what? That see, the, this is the thing that grinds my gears. Is I walk into a place in a game, and I always ask, so what do these guys eat? So in Skyrim, I see that they eat the cabbages that grow in a field the size of a tennis court. And I'm like, 
wow, that'll keep one guy. That'll make a nice big salad for three guys. And here, uh, you know, what do people eat? Uh, they've got twelve hydroponic vegetables. That'll make a salad for three people. Go and Rivet snacky City. Cakes. And, snacky and then cakes. and then all the canned goods that I'm like, yeah, those last that long. Totally. <sighs> How did I not die? That's what I was trying to figure out a lot of the time, because... Oh, none of none of those people seem smart enough to live, except for the uh, scavengers you meet at random. Because they're just guys with, like, a couple of friends and a weird hat, and they always seem to have interesting stuff. I imagine that those people have adventures similar to mine. Yeah. So, when you create your character as you play the game, you get to make moral choices, as Scott said before. Um, in particular, you can be good neutral or evil which uh doesn't happen in fallout new vegas so that was new for me yeah um, well and this is good neutral and evil as conceived by um i'm gonna say the writers of gi joe i'm gonna say gi joe it, the game it's is, about that subtle and nuanced well like really when you do something good it's it's like a gi joe psa like you know you stop the downloading on the internet so, you know, you get a good point. <laughs> um, Precious was a good character for the most part. Um, I think he only did a couple dick moves that it was just, like, you know, I'd play the game. Some character would say something stupid and I'd, like, punch them or kill them because I was like, you know, I'm not in the mood for your crap. Well, and the weighting of moral actions is a little weird because in a in what is supposed to be a serious, desperate post-nuclear scenario, taking every article of food and bullet from a single human being really doesn't put um, an alignment, a dent in your alignment quite the way it should. Well, yeah. You know, you take a bullet, you're considered an asshole. No, no. Like, not not even a little bit. Like, I, I took every bullet out of a town built around an unexploded nuke because that is a sensible course of action for That's people. That's what I was thinking. I took I was all of good. their guns. I took all of their food. And I was still the patron saint of the wasteland, according to uh, Karma Meter Three Dog. Oh yeah, so that's the other thing. As you play the game, get your Pip Boy. You know, you got radio frequencies that you can tap into. One of them, of course, is the Galaxy Radio hosted by Three Dog. Um, I don't like Three Dog. See, I like. There are parts of Three Dog I like. I like the idea of someone have there being a voice of flavor text and tutorial notes yes, that like makes that. sense in universe. Like, I like the fact that he can sit there and say, hey, remember to keep your gun repaired, because that's important, kids. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I can check my karma score on my own. I don't need you to tell me that I'm a horrible person for nuking people who were dumb enough live to live next to a nuke. You know, I seem to remember of... from from Seventh Review at the time that Three Dog was a big positive for him. See, Three you know Dog, what? like he's got a fun voice actor and his performance is great, but god damn it, some of the lines they give him are so dumb. I truthfully didn't like the fact that uh, you know, he would tell me what my karma was. Um, because it's like, dude, you you don't see all the things I do. So how do you just magically know? Like, how, that I'm how a good do you person? get this news? How who is telling you that I killed every man, woman, and child in Ten Penny Tower? Uh, Ten Penny Tower. Yeah, wait, uh, there, there, there's for for what? I it's... remember there there were ghosts in Fallout Two. Yeah, there. Are, that of. didn't make it. That that, no, that didn't make the transition to three. I'm afraid. There, 
there are interesting quests in three. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, well, my, and- my favorite thing, and I, I'll mention it now, is it's an unmarked quest. You'll be walking along the along the north end of the map, and you'll get you'll get an emergency broadcast frequency, and it's a message on repeat um, about a guy who's stuck in in a in a basement fallout shelter. And there are ghouls outside, and he's really desperate for help. And you you have to rely on the description in the in the repeated radio message to find the place. And when you do, everyone involved is dead, and it's just a message on repeat. Like, the guy starved waiting for help. And it's just this somber, quiet, little moment. That was and such a is, heartbreaking quest. And, it, and it's wonderful, and I'm like, whoever wrote this was clearly not even remotely involved in Little Lamplight. What, why Which isn't is, he in charge of more things? Well, and then when you do a quest like Little Lamplight, Little Lamplight is essentially going to a town that is run... It, it, it's run by eight-year-olds. Plays hide-and-seek with you and basically call you a tool, whatever. My favorite quest in the game is there is a kid who is too old to be in Little Lamplight, and you must escort him to Big Town. Um... The whole time you escort him to Big Town, he tells you these horrible jokes. Horrible jokes. Like, they are dreadful. Um, and in my game, this is where the, the one and only time I got negative karma, I got him to Big Town, and then I shot him in the back of the head. Because it was grueling. Because he deserved it. And he's <laughs> the only citizen of Little Lamplight you can kill. Yeah. So he has to stand for all the children who make you do the most annoying quests. And deliver it in the most obnoxious way so you can open one door to progress the plot. Yep. Um, I love that quest because, you know what, I got my my revenge on that really annoying guy. And then I took his hat as a trophy. And then I wore it for the whole game. That town with nothing but little kids made me think of of a certain South Park episode. Are there any references in the text to that? No. No. There's no explanation. There's no logic to this town. I don't... Like, the game does nothing to justify two centuries of a child-run society. I could handle it if it just turned out to be an elaborate South Park reference, but yeah, children... There's a reason children don't live on their own. They are not capable of it yet. Yeah, and especially not in an environment where there are giant fire-breathing ants... God I can't damn. come up with a justification there. Nope. God it sounds like you, Bethesda, Bethesda just completely, utterly whiffed it here. See, they have a neat idea, and they have no idea how to execute it, and then they add their usual, hey, let's just jump across the continent and add a century to the timeline for a sequel. Malarkey. And it doesn't hold up. 200 Not- This is a completely different phase of the Canticle for Leibowitz scenario. Play with that, god damn it. Actually... Now that I think about it, there was one other quest I really liked, and it was a main story quest, which was Tranquility Lane. See, I, actually, I didn't like that. I, see, I, I did. That I I love I love how morbid it was. I didn't see, I didn't like its attachment to the plot because truth, truthfully, it, it did nothing to add to it. I really just liked the fact that you know you're going back to 1950s. Lord forbid. Um, you got everybody being creepy and perky and smiley, and they're just like, like everything's so perfect and great. And then you get this creepy little kid named Betty telling you, um, like she gives you instructions on how to harm other people in Tranquility Lane, and you can, uh, 
you know, either follow her instructions or try to find the fail-safe option. See, um, and, that, I, and that's the thing. It is yet another plot door that forces you into a bunch of obnoxious quests. At least this time there's a somewhat annoying but easily fackable puzzle to skip it all. Pretty much. I mean, I did one, like, I actually saved twice before I did Tranquility Lane, once so that I could actually just try all the evil karma options, just to see what would happen, right? Um, and Betty is scary. Oh, don't like her. Like, in one situation, like, she tells you about um, how if you, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was essentially you were pushing a woman down a set of stairs. Oh, that, that, that was an elaborate murder room. That was a Thieves Guild quest from Oblivion, <laughs> really. I I didn't play Oblivion, but, you know, like, she gives you these really heavy-handed instructions, um, and if you decide to go for the seriously bad karma, you get to see some kind of creepy, but done-in-a-humorous-way results. Because, again, it's the 1950s, so they they try not to make it creepy, they try to make it like it's a pratfall, almost. So well, in that... This game sort of really overplays the Raygun gothic elements of Fallout 1. Like, it goes from being sort of this retro-futurism to, no, no, it was exactly like Leave it to Beaver before the bombs hit. And I'm like, that 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 was satire, guys. That was satire. Well, and in Tranquility Lane, you, you really get the sense of that Leave it to Beaver notion. Um, especially because, like, she'll even tell you to try to hurt the other children in... Uh, in Tranquility Lane. And it's not like it's a big area. Like, you have basically a set of ten houses in a circle. And, uh, you know, she'll ask you to go to each house and actually try to, to commit a crime. Like, there's also one where well, it's no, like... Well, there's, no, there's, like, three interesting crimes, and then it's just like, hey, here's a do weapon. Do this because I don't like this off person. Everyone, no, here's a weapon off everyone else. Except you can't catch... They start sprinting away from you, and because you're apparently in the body of a four-year-old again, you you can't catch up. It's wait, it's wait, really wait, maybe, maybe it's serial killer logic. Except you're not using a bladed weapon, so that kind of falls apart. I'm sorry. Well, it is it, it is a bladed weapon. Anyway. They, oh, okay. They, this you get a cool they, knife. They do get one. You get a knife, and it's it was the weirdest quest, but it was one that I know for me it stuck out just because, um, even though the morality choice and it was so black and white. It was kind of interesting to to look at both sides of the coin because the fail-safe option is just this really stupidly easy puzzle that just takes you in the quest and out the quest. But if you really go the other route, like you, you do get some different experiences and different responses from people. Not to say that the responses are interesting, but I don't know. I had a lot more fun, Like, and I'm, I'm not the type of person. I usually always play a good character. Very seldom do I play an evil character, but there was the the curiosity of just like, well, what if I do it this way? What would happen? Um, I don't know. Like a lot of the main story quests in three are very forgettable. Like they're just not that interesting. But when you do some of the other quests, like Ten Penny Tower, um, they have some interesting elements to them. Um, I blew everybody up in Ten Penny Tower because they deserve it. Because they deserved it. They were very mean to the, the, the ghoul people who used to live there. The ghoul um, people also deserve blowing up, though, because they're <sighs> equally jerks. You know, you get good karma for being nice to the ghoul people, which I thought... Well, it's it's a strange nice thing. Ghouls, but uh, you get bad karma if you kill the ghouls, which I was like, should it like, be like if you kill the humans, you get well, bad it's karma? This... It's a crazy mixed message because if you take the time and go around the entire apartment complex and, you know, roll your persuasion to Xwell against everyone, you can get them to integrate peacefully, 
except for the part where the ghouls still run around and massacre all the humans. Yep. And Three Dog slaps you on the wrist over the radio every other song. Because, now, are, the ghouls, oh my God. are the ghouls pretty much the same as they were in 2? Just people who have adapted to the radiation, but without yep. any other changes well, except that they look ugly. Yeah, well, there are those ghouls, and then there are the ghouls that are feral for no particular reason, and they just act like um, zombies. Well, you so also you have, have to like, shoot them. Well, what about characters like like Fox? I mean, um, you know, he's a super mutant ghoul. Well, thing. he's the well, uh, Fox is the he's only the super mutant that behaves like super mutants in the other games. Like all the other super mutants are just stupid and bestial, and I don't even understand how the FEV virus spread to the East Coast and lasted two hundred years to have super mutants running around. But whatevs. I liked Fox. I accidentally killed him, though. I hit the wrong button in his quest, and he kind of exploded. I felt horrible. Like, I was sobbing. I'm like, Scott, I accidentally killed him. He's like, well, you stupidly hit the button. I'm like, well, whenever there's a button in front of me, I can't help but push it. So it was my own fault. But I liked Fox. You, he was a good character. You killed him, Sam. You're a murderer. It's all good. The, best, the only NPC worth keeping around is uh, dog meat, so what does it matter? Yeah, well, Dogmeat is tricky to keep around because you can't give him armor. He he kind of dies a bit, and you have to reload to save him. Unless you're willing to burn a perk from the DLC to have continuously spawning Dogmeats. <laughs> Which is a great perk. <laughs> <laughs> I know I took it. Well, yeah, at level 22, which is a weird place for it, considering that you can... you You are... Once you get out of tutorial zone, you are within sight of of the junkyard where you can befriend dog meat. You know, there's also that interesting issue of slavery in this game, eh, Scott? I kind of hated all those quests because a lot of them just seemed really, I don't know, gory for the sake of being gory. Yeah, that that just kind of reveled in the 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 GI Joe morality for a bit. Honestly, well, I I think the real main quest of this game is uh, is the Wasteland Survival Guide sequence where as much as Megaton is dumb and the girl that runs the jump shop in Megaton is dumb, I like the idea of wandering around trying to teach people well, (laughs) teach people how to not hurt themselves, even though it's been 200 (laughs) goddamn years and I think I think the survival of the fittest has certainly been in action since then. You would think so, but based on the results in front of us it would apparently be no. Darwin yeah. is not that accurate. <laughs> yeah, apparently people really are dumb enough to set up an entire town around a bomb. They deserved it. Tunnel snakes rule. <laughs> now, another thing I noticed in looking very briefly at Wiki is that Malcolm McDowell apparently voices the head of the Brotherhood of Doesn't Do Jack. Is no, that he, right? No, he... Oh, wait, Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell, yes, I would... No, yeah. no, he he voices the head of um, the Enclave. Oh, that's right. Different yeah. group of people, which is the which is an which is a cardboard cutout villain organization as opposed to an actual faction like they were in the previous two games. Yeah, does he get to do anything really, or is he just there to spout a few lines? And well, he's he is a computer. A yeah, he he's... is a computer who oh. wants you to um, kill everyone for no reason. Yeah. It, Which he's is a computer. Less cool. that, that, that's computer logic. Uh, 
we could have snuck a Terminator reference in there, I'm sure, but that would have been too much effort and let's, let's too litigious. That. Let's put it this way. Obsidian did the same thing in Fallout New Vegas with a character called Mr. House. Mr. House was so much more interesting than the you know, Malcolm McDowell's character in three. Like but he, he basically spouts a few a- lines and he's just like, I'm Malcolm McDowell. I'm Malcolm McDowell. I am the president of your heart. I like him as a radio DJ. I hate him as an antagonist. Yeah, it was a little weird. I don't know. I, I was not I was not into the whole brotherhood and enclave nonsense. And well, because they they weren't they they weren't feuding over anything partic- in particular. They were just like, well, we're going to be good guys and we're going to be bad guys and uh we are not going to accomplish anything outside of what the player can do for us. It's not just that. It was also like a penis scrap, basically. It's like, my penis is bigger than your penis, and you should be, like, into my penis. Um, and basically the game tries, <laughs> you know, tries you, to put you in the situation where it's like... Do you write porn movies, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> I could. Would you like me to? They'd probably be really awful. Uh, I don't think they'd be much worse than what we've already got. But it's the truth. Like, the game tries to make you pick a side, and... I basically spent the whole game going, I think both sides are dumb, so I'm going to be neutral because both sides are dumb. Um, I pretty much, I'm pretty sure I killed everybody in the Enclave, and I'm pretty sure I killed everybody in the Brotherhood that doesn't do shit. Um, just because it was like, both of you waste my time, both of you aren't interesting. Um, like, I, don't, did I didn't see alive? a point. Um, um, in, that, in those situations, Well, no the one. kids, because you can't kill them. Kill them. What? You could kill kids in Fallout 2. What the hell's going on here? I know, oh. right? I would I'm... gladly accept my um my my child killer negative reputation if it meant laying waste to Little Lamplight with with the ugly with the ugly shotgun, which is the just... only gun worth using because it's hella broken and much like the mechanics. Stack uh, your crits, kids. Stack your crits. My whole thing crits. is, I, I don't advocate child killing in video games or child killing at all. But those damn kids it, those kids! In- I, I think child killing in video games and child killing, period, are two very distinct concepts. I, I, my whole thing is, I don't know what they were thinking with little lamplight at times, because, you know, these kids are dicks. They are. They're terrible. But you don't see a point to their situation, because... Children in this series are either slaves or they are basically hidden away by their parents. So these are like the rebel kids who ran away, um, but they're not entirely self-sufficient, which like the game tries to give you this argument that they totally are, but they're always constantly looking for somebody to do things for well, them. Again, it, it, it's like any other Bethesda game where nothing can happen unless the player character does it. Pretty much. Like... Honestly, it is it is worse than Oblivion in that respect. Fallout 3 was notorious for really horrible fetch quests, and I was not fond of them. Um, I didn't well, find Fallout, it creative. I know, I know New Vegas was notorious for having bugs up the wazoo when it came out. How was Fallout 3 in that respect? Also it buggy. Was, okay. It was buggy, but it was like, it was managed, like it, the game would not crash, it wouldn't delete your saves, it wouldn't fall apart, but... You know, you'd see things spawn wrong or just stuff falling out of the sky. And, of course, if you're a PS3 user, uh, the game immediately kind of disintegrates if a save file gets bigger than 10 megs, which will happen if you have all the DLC on 
So bear that in mind if you're looking so, to buy it now. So the not platform of choice now is not PS3. Never uh, was. PS3 games in Bethesda, P- Sony and Bethesda don't get along that well, and I think it does have to do with uh, the, that 10 meg save file limit. I think a game this big with this many variables just uh, does not play nice with them. No. I'm trying to think because... Well, aside from the roommate who filled up half your memory card, is it okay Ooh. on 360? It's yeah, fine like, for the most it's part. It's fine. I'm sure I'm sure there are a bunch of people who will um, talk about the PC version and the mod scene, which will get me going into uh, the debate as to what is the corpus of a game for the purposes of criticism. And this that, that'll be a fight Becky and I have one of these days. Because she likes her mods. Well, she seems to think mods excuse a lot of problems. And I'm like, no, no, they do not. I would it's, say it's that like me and Phil and house ruling D and D. Well, it's like me and Phil and house rules for D and D. Okay, <laughs> I'll say that much. So, in other words, if Becky was on this show, which she isn't because she doesn't, she did not want to be on Fallout Three. Well, we she wanted to an... be in Iceland and chase yes. puffins around, which is a valid choice, I think. And, and at puffins this time of cool. year, she is apparently discovering that yes, Iceland has very, very little night. So, much luck with her sleep efforts right now. Hey, anyway. I, if there's anyone who can sleep through daylight, it is it is a video game can it it is it is video game writers. I'll say that. I need my sleep. Maybe she'll find a huge Iceland fan community for Bethesda, who knows. Uh, it could happen. I really struggle with my feelings for Fallout 3 because in a sense, I love the exploration aspect of it. I love well, picking I, my perks, and, and yet every time I hit a story sequence, I was just like, Can, yeah. is there a button to skip? Is there a button to skip? Because, and this is something Glenn and I, we fought on I don't know how many times, because he loves, I wouldn't say he loves the story, but like he loves how the atmosphere is paired with elements of the story. Well, one I'm thing like, I remember from his review is that he loved how well the game captured the pretty close to the area where he lives. Which yes. is going to be totally lost if you don't live in the Northern well, Virginia also, DC area. Well, it also helps that Bethesda themselves live in the Northern <laughs> Virginia DC area, and they may have included their cube farm as a explorable place in uh, the game. Because I guess totally what? Found it. I well, here's the thing: I put a hundred plus hours into this game. I have found every single location. I have messed around with all the unmarked quests. And I found the Bethesda office, and I and I I thought that was fun. Maybe not as fun as um, the Twinkies factory full of zombie Chinese insurrectionists for some reason. But I there you that go. That beats you know Deus Ex Human Revolution and going into the offices in Montreal, and then there are random Final Fantasy posters on the walls. Oh well, th- those are hilarious. Although. Uh, Square Enix is going to step up their going to have really have to step up their game to get to Final Fantasy 27 by 2027. Well, you so know what good. you won't have to wait for 2027 for for Manny to join us on this podcast. Welcome to the show, Mr. Emmanuel something or other. Manny. Emmanuel he might say something positive about uh, 2047. We like 2047. But yeah. uh, Fallout 3. 
Right now, Manny, I'm just listening to these two talk about Fallout 3, a game that I unfortunately have never gotten around to myself. And and right now, they're, they're kind of making me glad I did it. Can you help us out, Manny? Okay, so what, you guys are saying you don't like Fallout 3? Is this what this whole chat's about? <sighs> I'm indifferent. I'm very, okay. very indifferent. It's more of, there's stuff I love, and then there is this... Yes? There's this. There's this what, Sam? Pause. Pregnant pause. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle because that story is so painful. It's so bad. And yet, dialogue is so painful. And yet I have so much fun walking around and being like, oh my god, there are some raiders. I'm going to shoot them. I chased oh. you with my shotgun and used my awesome perks. And I have a dog named Dogmeat. So wait, wait, why is the story bad? Ah, uh, don't get Scott into his rant again. Needless, it's has a lot to do with lots of inconsistencies in the universe and how, you know, in five years, oh my god, really, like, Twinkies are still a thing you can eat, really? Wait, 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 we care about this nitpicking, why? Well, it, it, because it's, it's, I will get stuck on this railroady, annoying fetch quest, and I will sit there and... It's like pulling on a loose thread. More things come out. Like, wait, wait, oh, man. wait, wait. It's just an open world game where you can go anywhere and do anything at any time. You're not stuck on anything. Oh, the no, whole no. Point I know. Of Fallout 3 is if you, if well, you want to join something, switch rails, switch tracks, go a different that, path. I don't think that's well, what I know. Means, though. But see, here's the thing about Bethesda is for some reason, they, they, they can't decide whether they want to do open world or they want to tell their story to you. And the second you get put on the rails, you are on there so goddamn hard. And that drives me nuts in an open-world game. It's it, it's the same issue I have with Assassin's Creed in a lot of cases, where it's like, you can do anything you want until you decide to engage with the plot, and then you damn well better be doing it exactly how we say, because we put a lot of effort into writing this, except for the part where the environmental storytelling makes no sense. Hooray! Can you give me an example of this? Because this is not my experience in Fallout 3. All of these things you guys are saying is 100% not my experience. And I've played that game like three or four times. Well, okay, Fallout 3 is probably the best they've done. I'll say that compared to, say, Skyrim or Oblivion. But it it's just... Um, it, it, it is things like the fact that uh, you have a town built on a nuke for no reason. And it is, you know... It, it makes sense to have a city on an aircraft carrier, except for the part where there is nothing there to sustain life on an aircraft uh, carrier. Uh, 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 so and then, in I fact, mean, it would have rusted I, I get it, I get it, I get it. By that it's, the it's the suspension of disbelief aspect. It, it's a fundamental, it's, it's a 100% fundamental problem. You guys are coming at from an angle where you're worrying about... Uh, you see the there, was a, there was a good YouTube video uh, not too long ago. This guy sort of broke down this thing and called it the Shondification of Fallout 3. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Uh, yeah, Tasteful Understated new ra- Nerd Rage. He's amazing. Tristram Shandy. And, and his, like, his basic premise was, if you look at the people at Obsidian, uh, they thought about the people living in follow- the Fallout New Vegas world, where outside of New Vegas Strip, there, there are farms. There are tenant farmers. There are farms. You know, they thought about, well, what do these and, people And eat? irrigation that lead... Like, if you follow the irrigation pipelines... It leads straight to the lake, and I'm like, yes, that makes that sense. That is an environment that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, there are people who care about that, and that's like a, a deal breaker for them. But then there are also the people who uh, play Saints Row Four and like calling mechs from the sky. Because <laughs> why? Because dubstep. 
So <laughs> shut up. Well, See, Saints Row Four establishes a tone that works with that level of crazy, and I don't think Fallout Three earns its it the suspension. That is of, so dis- subjective. Dis- that is one million percent subjective, subjective, subjective. Because you know what? When I was playing Fallout Three. You know what I was doing? I was having fun, and I was exploring, and I was enjoying my time there, and I was having fun hanging out with Liam Neeson, and then jumping into the virtual reality world, because, you know what? If you point that out and say, yeah, what do the people eat? You're right. There's no way to sustain anybody in the capital wasteland. But that was never my concern. I don't care. I was having well, fun. Well, and see, that that's the thing, is if you had just had this crazy, like, if you were just being Mad Max about it, where... Nothing really matters. We just have these crazy ideas, and Mel Gibson's going to shoot some bad guys. That'd be fine. But it wants us to take it seriously, at which point I have to say, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Really? Really? The the Brotherhood of Steel has just been sitting here? I don't buy the take it serious part, though. I think um, they want us to be. Uh, yeah, but like I said, it's like you guys are coming from a completely different angle. I mean, a completely different perspective. So look, and you guys had plenty of your time to do it. And and let me go from my angle and just say what I like about Fallout Three before it just becomes the negative fest or the ambivalence fest about this topic that we're supposed to talk about, right? Well, and, we and, haven't even hit the DLC yet. So. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I've been a little phasing in and out as I'm also typing up uh, something real fast for our site. It, we've just been focusing so far on the story, right, guys? Yeah, mostly, mostly because, the story. you know... And obviously the setting. I mean, we'll get to... And the to, setting, yeah. So We'll get to voice acting in a minute. <laughs> so talk about talk about the story and the setting from your perspective, Manny, for me, please. You know what? The, the thing that I always say about uh, Sky, about these uh, Skyrim, Oblivion, Fallout, Fallen Eve, all of these games from Bethesda, is that... There, there's like a group of people like I, I remember I used to hear like uh, people like Garnet Lee who was, used to be on the one up yours he, he broke off to do other things talk about how the thing that he hated about these games was that the the it's so easy to get separated or be off the beaten path off the main story and how compelling is the main story really if I can get so distracted so easily I have no um, I'm not compelled at all to get back there and finish it ever and it, you know I, he was coming at it from a very JRPG perspective where he wants to have this nice clear-cut story, or maybe this very compelling story that brings you through its narrative has a beginning, middle, and that's never how I played Fallout. And I guess I understand that. I mean, for me, I I could I spent, like in Skyrim for example, and I'll get right back into is that I spent maybe like 60, 70 hours in Skyrim. I barely touched the main storyline, and I don't well, even and care. See, this is the thing. I love the exploration in Fallout 3, but there is a point, but the second I get involved in a quest, I have something negative to say. And if they had that's just fine. given no, me the sandbox, and that's, I would have loved it. And I'm it. giving you the positive perspective for a minute before it's just negative negative. Is that I'm saying is that I spent like 60 hours with that. I never felt the comp- – like, you know, I played so much of Fallout 3, and I barely even touched the main dad's quest line or storyline, and I never cared. I absolutely never cared. Where I where, – where Bethesda excels – it's not so much storytelling, because I don't care about their storytelling. It's about context. Context and atmosphere. And they're giving me a context to go play with my figures in a sandbox in. And that's all it is. It's just context. And that's what I care about. And they excel at context. Do, do, do I care if there's a logical explanation or does it fit within the storyline why I have a, why a fat man nuke? I don't care. 
within the context of what I'm doing, I'm having fun and I'm enjoying well, I myself. I just want to know why there are all these carts lying around in these somewhat abandoned caves. In and that is a question I've never had once when playing. Not once, literally. What I was doing instead was I was having fun finding new armor. I was having fun crafting new weapons. I was having fun walking around. You know, I played that game one entire time and never found dog meat and then I found them again the next time I was like oh that was fun that was cool I should do that again next time I play or <laughs> I did that too or I did stuff like oh wait there's an entire quest over here that can ch- I so I didn't have to be good oh, okay I'll think about I'll keep that in mind next time I just it, it was a context to play in this post-apocalyptic wasteland it was a context to play in this little world, and it was fun for me. I, I liked that there were so many... Like, for example, the things that you guys are harping on, like the... Like this, why is this here? Why is there no food here? Is instead, I think about it the other side of the coin. Like, remember when I stumbled upon, upon that family of a cannibals? Those really polite, nice cannibals? Oh, the, the wannabe vampires? No, 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 no. There was this little family of cannibals. Oh. In Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's home. a town on the south side, yes. Just this little town that's just, just these guys like, hi, how's it going? And then you break it's into like the It's like three houses and one crazy old man who doesn't want to be a friendly cannibal. Exactly. It was a little bit of quirky fun. I, I, I ended up killing them all. I took all their stuff I put it in my locker and I moved on to you know the what? next. And see, that's counter. not the stuff that I get mad about. That's the stuff I actually love about it because exploration for me is ultimately why but, I like Fallout 3. You know, when I think about the story, I just get mad. But when I'm when I'm roaming around, collecting armor, talking to people, making random decisions just for the sake of it, you know, that's when I have my most fun. And because- that's what I'm saying to you is that is the core of what this game is for me. Like the like the story stuff, I barely. But why do they try so hard on the story? If because it's really there for excels- those people who want it. I mean, if, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Move on. There's like, so much more there. Bethesda does not understand their own strengths. And if you've played even three, like pick any three Elder Scrolls, you can almost see that in how they develop them. Like they, 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 they do not know what they are good at, and they seem to think they're good at something else, and they keep well, cramming I will say this, that I will say this. stuff Your point, me. I think your point is completely true and valid in the DLC in particular, where it they take away the thing, the strength of that game, which is being able to break away from the story if you're not having fun with it, and then come back to it at your own pace. Uh, yeah. Like the, like the art oh. was called the... Operation Anchorage is god-awful, but well, you sit through it so you can get the broken stealth armor. Because that one actually gave you, again, lots of exploration. No, it didn't. It, you, you were on the rails, and you just The worst sat one there. was the Alien DLC. Oh I, god, I don't, I've never played that because I'm like, no. Bethesda does not, cannot write a set of corridors that I want to shoot through. I did. I didn't like it. <laughs> I played all of the DLC. I liked, personally, my favorite was Point Lookout. And I explored as much oh, of yeah, the yeah. bog as the game would let me, right? Well, like Point because... Lookout was the most Bethesda DLC ever because it was it, just it, like, it, here's a swamp, go it took find three, stuff. It took them three tries to finally figure out, wait, wait, people just want another playground? Yeah, and yeah. I and I, I, I loved that one for it because like you get an achievement for searching the whole bog. I totally wasted like four hours going around and finding crap, and I was perfectly happy. Um, you know, then I played something like the pit, and I was just like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. And the final decision in that was such a joke. Well, the pit at least had the decency to make its Mother Teresa versus baby eating eating choice. <laughs> 
kind of a twist. Like you kind of like you 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 played along thinking that you were doing the right thing and then it forced you to question what was actually the Mother Teresa option. And then you just killed any everyone anyhow cuz they're all dicks. But, but hey, you kept going back to the pit because you could turn one kind of bullet into the kind of bullet you actually used. But I think that goes just goes on to the uh that even if you're not engaged with the story per se, you're still engaged in the world and the world they crafted. Like just wandering around and stumbling. Like, does it make sense why this particular thing is here, or does it make fun that you? Or is it fun that you just happen to stumble across it and ha- explain its little nook and cranny in this in this big world, this one particular crafted little scenario and situation? And that's where they excel at, and that's the part I enjoy. Like for me, I may never see the the end credits on Skyrim. I may never finish a lot of those quest lines, but you Do know what? Do not bother I, because you will. Well, find I, yourself but I, it's not even that. That's not even the point. Forget that part. I'm satisfied. I got seventy hours of the game. <laughs> that's oh. that's amazing. And that's never the part I would bitch about because let's face it. I know I put probably ninety into every Bethesda game I've played. I've probably put about ninety to hundred hours, and I don't regret any of that. Truthfully. Let me, because let me, again, I was having lots of and, fun. And that's my let point. Me, like, who cares? I mean, the fact that a game could even make you spend like for I just want to meet. So it's not like this big negative fest. A, a fact that you guys spent that much with this game at all means something. Because if this game was truly terrible and truly bad and truly repugnant, you guys would have just walked away. Well, and, let me let me never actually said that part. Maybe. Right. Let me let me interject for. Right, because let me let me interject and say that I you know I started off by having our uh, our guest here focus on the story. So you give us some perspective as far as how you approach the game and how and and that contrasts a bit with how they approach the game. But let me ask you a question, Manny. What? Uh, so you definitely I think everyone's happy with it. Sounds like with the exploration aspect and some of the small things that you discover along the way in the little groups of people or whatnot. Or and, and I can see a lot of that myself because I play through Skyrim. Um, what do you you think, Manny, in particular about the main storyline? Did you play through the main storyline uh, in Bethesda, this game? Bethesda at its core is side quests. It's always been the side quests. So did I'm um, just have, I, did I finished you do? it eventually? Uh huh. Just because I realized at some point, like, oh, I need to get, progress a little bit further to unlock plasma weapons. Okay. <laughs> well, you you ran at some point. You just run out of levels. You hit the level cap, and you're like, oh well, I guess I'll just see the credits now. Yeah, yeah, like the honestly, but the, the games have always been the side quests. The side quests are what shine, absolutely shine in these kind of games. Like in Skyrim, for example, the best quests in there were the Daedric quests. Sure, know? sure. But do you, do you have an opinion on the main storyline that you, you want to share? Honestly, I barely even thought about it that much. Okay. Even, no, I, I'm. I, it's not like um, it doesn't matter or anything. It's just sort of like um, it was cool when that robot followed you. I guess. Let's talk about the. See, no, I think that was deprotagonizing because here you are. With this robot that cr- spouts crazy jingoist nonsense, but at the same time you just have to follow him while he kills all the bad bad guys. And God bless Broken Steel for killing that plot contrivance and replacing it with three other plot contrivances. But never mind. Yeah, it was never a problem to me, man. I was just having fun in the world. What about <laughs> what about uh, so speaking of the robot? What about uh, characters in the in the story, or possibly characters in the world while you're exploring and stuff? Uh, how many standouts do we have there? Well, dog meat because he is a dog, and therefore the best thing because I'm a sucker for uh, dogs in role playing games. Apparently, 
And is he a reincarnation I, of the dog meat we've already seen, or just another? And it happens to be called dog meat now. It is an Aussie shepherd named Dog Meat. You meet him in an unmarked quest in a junkyard, and he just follows you around and he bites guys. And you can tell him to go find me ammo, and he will find you ammo. Good dog. And he's a good dog like that. And then he dies, and like all the other party companions, he can die permanently. Quest givers, major NPCs, though those you can't kill ever, but your companions, yeah, they can die. And they almost, but once you installed like the the what was it the break DLC? What was it called again? The, broken steel. Once you install broken, it becomes impossible for almost any of your guys to die at that point, though. Yeah, like it, it does give the companions a big boost, and then you can also take a bunch of perks to really render them unkillable. You know, it's funny. Now that I'm talking about this with you guys. Now that I think about Fallout Three, how much, how much I don't associate Fallout Three with its main storyline. Like when I That's think about thing. Fallout Three, the main storyline, the main quest, is the thing I think about the absolute least when I think about Fallout Three. Well, I think about the main quest as this unfortunate, unfortunate. Not even that. It doesn't even live. It doesn't even rise to the level of ire or disappointment. It's just in my brain, it is practically non-existent. I don't even care. I'm, I, when I think about Fallout 3 fondly, I think about stuff like finding a Stradivarius in the vault and, and uncovering some conspiracy or seeing Blue or the clones. Or I think of, I think about all these little moments. The or even just, yeah, just I think about stuff like that. I just, I just straight up don't think about like, oh, who was the most memorable character? I just think like, oh, remember that time I saw that dude and that dude did that thing and then I had to get that thing for that dude? That was crazy. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Honestly, the, the I, I only like memorable... I feel like Chris Farley interviewing uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, you remember that time that you were in that movie? Yeah. It was pretty cool. It, 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 yeah. is, it is a bit like that. That is Honestly. Fallout 3 in a nutshell. It's just some guy going, you remember that scene where that thing happened? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right. Yeah, like the only standout characters are Liam Neeson, who, you know, honestly, if you think about his quest line, it, it gets frustrating. Three Dog, who... If you think about oh, how God. he interacts with the karma system, it gets frustrating. This is Three Dog Owl coming you from the Capital Wasteland. Hey there, Wanderers. Do you know you're an awesome guy because you ca- still have maintained a good karma score? Yeah, you're awesome. Have a pat on the head. Do you know if you kill Three Dog, apparently his, uh, his oh, like, yeah, turn yeah. comes on the, on the radio and goes, like, um, yeah, um, Three Dog's dead, so some yeah. shot him. Here's a new you song also don't you get a quest if you kill him. Here's a new song, so I just yeah, play that. Right I, now, I love. I actually do love Three Dogs in turn. But it's stuff like that. I think about the bobbleheads. I think about the Republic of Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> the Republic of Dave is a standout. Awesome. That oh, yeah. guy needs to have more, more, See, more writing responsibility at Bethesda than he currently has. Like I said, so, there are quests that are fantastic in this game. That again, when you don't associate the main quest, it's great. And you have fun. Um, I love the Republic of Dave. That was one of my favorites. The other was the clones. I loved the whole yeah. incident with the clones because it's I just love- it was so ridiculous. And you sit there and you kind of giggle to yourself because it's like, oh my god, they're all me. And especially if you crafted yourself a particular way as a character, um, you know, you would get these weird faces <laughs> at you. Um, I don't know many. I didn't. You weren't here when I explained what my character was, but um, my character looked like Enrique Iglesias by accident. Circa about 2001. Yeah. Like a little bit after uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So I totally had, like, clones with pink hair and Enrique Iglesias faces, like, totally chasing me around and trying to kill me. And I laughed. 
I laughed so hard. Because it was just ridiculous. And I actually wasted a lot of time making my character look good in a Bethesda game, because, man, people are ugly in Bethesda games. So that was a thing I did, and that's what made that whole clone scenario for me just so much more funny. Because it was like watching Enrique Iglesias come around and me going, oh my god, like, there are so many of them. See, I think at the core of what, if you, at the core of what, uh, this particular type of Bethesda game or Fallout 3 is not, what did you think of the main story? Who are the standout characters? More like, what were these particular moments that reacted yeah. in a weird way because of the physics of the world, the jankiness of an open world game versus just what you happen to have on you at the time? I mean, that's, it's a bunch of personal narratives rather than a story being told to me. And it's that that's where this game excels. I never think about the story of this more like, oh, I, <laughs> I like, there was this big quest line to like save some rangers some like uh some not even quite rangers from some hotel room and i happened to stumble upon it backwards i jumped on the roof and i walked in there and all of a sudden i'm killing a bunch of guys and like thank you for saving us and it was like, apparently like this really long involved quest where i had to go oh, this it, lady it's long and involved and you have to do it and i'd if you're if I you're picking up for the first time you have to go through it just so because it takes you through an abandoned hospital and then you will never need stim packs again you yeah, but are- it was funny. I I stumbled upon that from the roof because I just happened to be walking this way, and it was like, "Thank you, you saved us." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. Come with us back to your base." So you heard Myra sent you? Like who? Or like not Moira, some lady sent you. Like okay, sure. <laughs> so I was yeah, like, that, I, that was great. I totally found that dead guy with the radio transmission. Yes, I did. <laughs> of course, totally. absolutely. Where's rewards? Thank you. It's like you a mean you're gonna tiny- give me you're gonna give me caps for all the locations I unlock? Awesome. I seriously, I, I had no idea that was an involved quest line. I jumbled, I stumbled in at the end, and I walked out with all the rewards. I'm like, that was fun, and I just kept on walking. Do 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 do. Those are my favorite kind of moments, though, the accidental quests, because it just, you know, you walk in all of a sudden. Here's a quest, and you're just kind of like, what did I do? And okay, whatever, well, like I'll yeah. do it. And the quest tags just start you, like they, like if you, like if if you find Riley's Rangers on top of that rooftop. It it will immediately pop up the Riley's Rangers quest, and it will tick off tick off three objectives for you. And you're like, oh, alrighty then. Like Let's I did go. it, but I don't remember how. <laughs> I just walked in. Yeah, you can do it with huge chunks of the game, where you can just skip whole massive chunks. Like if you went to like uh the Rivet City and before visiting Three Dog, just like you've mission complete. <laughs> and like all you're this stuff, like, like oh, oh, all right, cool. And even if like even if you get out of the tutorial zone, you can just Follow the road or what's left of it east and get to the uh, vault where your dad is trapped in nineteen uh, fifties land and just skip Rivet City and Galaxy News Radio and meeting the Brotherhood of Doesn't Do Shit and it'll it'll give you all the XP for it, which is nice because Quest XP is good XP. I, I think that's and I think that's why I never really cared about art because. Even even Bethesda admits, like, just do what you want. Make your own fun. If you skip huge chunks of it, who cares? It doesn't matter. Create your own story. The story that matters the most is the one that the ugly character that you made tells in this world with these characters. That's the story that matters. Your personal narrative through this world and the hours that you're going to spend with it. And that's why I have such fond memories. Because before that, there weren't very many games where the most important story was my story, literally my story, my actions, where I was, how I reacted, what I did, with who I did it with, who was with me. That's what mattered to me more than 
did this character have bad voice acting or was this guy funny or who eats what? I didn't care because I, w- I had so much agency in what I was doing at any given time and the course and the shape of the story would take. Not just if I was good or evil, if just skip this whole part altogether because I didn't want to do it. That was great. That was liberating for a game. And, you know, I mean, when I look at stuff like uh, New Vegas where they actually did sort of patch up those holes, I, I just I kind of get upset because they didn't fix the parts that that really matter like not breaking the game <laughs> or like letting me exist in this world properly without having to worry about you know stuff collapsing in on me so are we, are we only talking about Fallout 3 or are we going to get to New Vegas No, uh, just New Fallout Vegas 3. is an episode um, two or three months down the line so okay. subscribe I'll, I'll, to I'll uh, find out more yeah, look at what we've come up with for just Fallout 3. Do you think we really need to go into New Vegas now? Good, be good, because there, if you want to hear a rant of anger, that's where it comes in. Because for these are not story games for me. These are just pure gameplay games. You know how people say, like, you play, like, next conversation because of just pure mechanics? It's strange that, like, this is an RPG. But for me, this is an RPG that is just a purely mechanical game. So... Even in just cho- choosing dialogue options, I'll be like, okay, I chose this time with last time I talked to Moira. I'll choose this when I talk to Moira this time and see what happens. It's just I, I care more about what, about the reactions that uh, I get from people and just my interactions with people than I do about, oh, well, if I say this, I'll upset her and I won't get to sleep with her. <laughs> you know, like a Mass Effect or something. Oh, God. You know, Bethesda games are weirdly sexless. Like, there are prostitutes. There is oh, I, not prostitutes, but prostitute. In this yes, game, I <laughs> and if you hire her, she will uh, walk up to uh, a worn-out old box spring and lay down on it, and then you can lay down too, and it will tell you you had sex. <laughs> no, like it's weirdly and- comforting in this cold, dark world where you can just take a nap with somebody and just be like, "We <sighs> life is hard. Let's just sleep. Light life is rough. Let's just take a nap." You may find it amusing, Manny, that in Fallout Two. New Reno is apparently one third prostitutes. <laughs> I don't know. I still think I still think the best prostitute ever was Fisto. Oh well, that that's, that's save that for Vegas, August. Though. Stay tuned till August, kids. We'll talk about Fisto. Fisto was next. my favorite. <laughs> All right. Do we want to? We, we've mentioned a few DLCs, but I think we forgot one or two. Do Do we want to no. go into detail on those? It's Broken Steel, Operation Anchorage, Point Lookout, and Alien. And the alien one, Mothership Zeta, which I don't know a single person who liked that one except for the fact that you got cool alien guns and that was the only reason to do it. It was yeah, the- so linear. And not only that, though, the aliens were a pain to kill. Oh my god, yes. It was awful. Like, it was, it, it was like trying to kill like the horde of super mutants that are on the top of that mountain with the radio tower, and you're just kind of like, how do I get in there without dying? Well, and here's the thing. The whole thing spun off from a one-off joke in Fallout 2 where you'd be walking through the wasteland if, and if your luck was right, an alien spaceship would crash in front of you and you could pick up a unique plasma weapon. And they replicated that in Fallout 3, except that it was scripted, so you just had to walk to one corner of the map. It was and the then, drive-in movie theater. Yeah, the drive-in movie theater, uh, appropriately enough. And then it's just like, hey... Let's really let's be long and annoying and stupid about it. I almost would have preferred if it was just like a, a cache of weapons you just discovered. Like, hey, this alien ship crashed. You found the key to its armory. Have fun. Yeah. I go don't like that laser. Go turn everything in the wasteland to blue goo. That would have been better. 
because seriously, like that that DLC in particular felt that was the most railroaded one on the bunch, and it was just no so, Operation so, Anchorage was worse. You didn't play Mothership Zeta, so See, Mothership Zeta you. at least had the benefit of letting you keep mm, your gear, whereas Oper- Operation Anchorage just said, "Oh, if you didn't specialize in small guns." You are completely worthless to this game. Enjoy. That was it was worth doing Operation Anchorage though because you got that winter version of the power armor and you get power armor training way early. See, that's why I never even did most of the main storyline because I bought the game of the year edition and I just did uh, Operation Anchorage pretty early on and then I just had power armor throughout the game that never had to get never had to get repaired and then I just never even bothered touching the main quest for a long time and I was like, oh wait, I should probably do that to unlock. Plasma weapons. I did that that too, man. Even then, power armor training was another side quest. You had to talk to a guy in a museum, and he'd explain, you know, my buddies double-crossed me before we could find a cache of uh, military-grade prototypes. Oh, you can skip that one again, too, yeah. Like, it it let you skip another... uh, a really long side quest that was kind of boring. So, you know, in the end, though, I thought it was kind of cool, the Chinese people fighting you, General Zhang, uh, on- all that stuff. Honestly, it was just, it was it was a slog through a Call of Duty game, except for the part where the game, w- the actual mechanics were not optimized for Call of Duty play. Yeah. <laughs> and I point- just know I wasn't into it. Like, point Lookout was great. Because- I, that, point Lookout Point Lookout earns a million points for actually giving you a story reason to go to the Dunwich building. Because that was an unmarked quest in the vanilla game that uh, was amazing. Especially if you're a Lovecraft fan. There's like what, a Call of Cthulhu tentacle spire in the bottom of this building and you would have these visions and flashbacks as you walk through it. Yeah, and complete with uh, audio logs that were literally a voice actor... Yeah, the the mud crab guy from Oblivion, uh, reading bits of the Dunwich horror. <laughs> I I loved that on Quest. It was just I was grinning from ear when I got to that one. I thought that was really clever. And I think that's the core of what I like about this game so much is that some people would be like, "This doesn't make sense. Why is there a Dunwich building here? And why is there a Lovecraft spire? That doesn't make any. Are you trying to say that this is connected to the?" And it's like, "Oh, that was fun." And then I walked out, and it was cool. <laughs> I went off my life. Do you know what I mean? Well, oh. you, you never have to justify a Lovecraft reference, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm a little disappointed with True Detective for not uh, embracing sort of the August uh, Derleth continuity version of the Cane Yellow, where, uh, you know, th- those guys would have been Haster cultists. <laughs> I don't get your dated reference, says someone in 2016 when they listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, too bad. <laughs> August Derleth... Is kind of cool, if only because he created Haster, the uh, the the second best of the the, the Cthulhu mythos deities. Indeed. So everyone played good, evil, a mix. Uh, I did one. I I did one saintly and one uh, evil. I did one saintly, and then when my second playthrough I started, I was neutral. Hmm. Did you, Scott? Did you uh, see much of a difference? Did you enjoy? Either playthrough or honestly, uh, the morality is so shallow, and um, the the story bits that depend on it are so just awkwardly written. It really just comes down to what Three Dog has to say about you. Except if you're playing an evil character, 
you probably stuck to stuck a grenade in three dogs pants the second you met him and then you're stuck listening to the intern for 60 more hours of game so like the biggest difference is whether you live at the hotel or you live in the in the the little bomb city right yeah and honestly it's it's almost worth it to live in the hotel so you don't have to deal with navigating the city because that has a lot of that 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 city has a lot of z axis that doesn't make sense on the map as opposed to um living in the hotel where you know you 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 trade all your junk on the first floor and then you just walk out on your balcony if when you want to fast travel somewhere oh, because that makes sense being evil pays I should have done that honestly it sounds so much more convenient than running to Moira's shop every single time oh god Moira's shop well Moira's shop still exists but it moves to um, the natural history museum which is uh, that's rough buddy you know, I will say Moira, as far as characters go, she's probably my favorite character. Oh, she's adorable. I love just her accent and her perkiness. If, so if people don't know, Moira was, uh, she is a shopkeeper in Megaton. Who, I, I guess she's from the Midwest. It sounds like a Midwest mom. A Midwest Somehow. Mom. <laughs> she sounds like a mid- And she sends you on a quest. She's a, a budding scientist, and she wants to write the Wasteland Survival Guide. So she sends you on these really bizarre quests to test out her theories about how to survive in the wasteland. Like, stuff like, what happens if you step on a landmine? What happens if you get really, really, really... Well, you have severe radiation poisoning? Go do that, and then come back and tell me what happens. At which point you just sort of walk next to the bomb in the town and stand there while you make a sandwich. Also, or I just drink the water. <laughs> super, the Super Duper Mart. I just oh, love yeah, that it's to- called the Super Duper Mart. <laughs> Well, the Super Duper Mart is is one of my favorite environments because I remember it fondly as that one spot where there were eight guys I was trying to sneak around when I only had three shotgun shells to my name. Oh, crap. Like, that is is what I want from Fallout, and if they ever make the MMO, it will never capture that, and thus it will fail. Eh, I like the Super Duper Mart because I obliterated everything and found Twinkies in it. It was exciting. They were probably really stiff. uh... Tw- the the materials in Twinkies will actually expire within uh, six months. So when, yeah, when exactly. That, so when people say that you can <laughs> survive the Holocaust, <laughs> don't get got started. <laughs> Please don't. Exactly. The water is fine, and there are no Twinkies. <laughs> oh god, this game. It's like you know, I sound negative about the, the story, but that's really the part of the game that I don't like. When I think about the quests and and how much fun I have, I do love the game. It's just. I'm a little bit on Team New Vegas, and if only not New Vegas that. actually worked. <laughs> yeah, worked for me. I like the one person on the planet. The one person on the planet is like, you know, that's actually a pretty well constructed game. <laughs> I, I, no. I had maybe one glitch, okay, dude, and it was a. By the way, the load screen is going forever. That in looking it. at the wiki for three, I noticed that in the setup for this game before the bombs fell. United States apparently absorbed Canada in order to have a an easy route up through Alaska to fight enemies in Asia. Well, that that was true of Fallout 2. It just it was not highlighted so much because they weren't trying to um preview elements of uh DLC. So that's actual DLC content here? Well, the point was that, you know, the US annexed Canada as part of the backstory to our Operation Anchorage. That's why you fight Chinese people in a hopped-up dream. Yeah. Well, you know, going up this giant mountain. It's not a dream. It's to make you get it right. (laughs) 
It's the Matrix, except at the end of it, you get the broken armor. Hey, the broken armor was Actually, fantastic. Two sets of broken armor because one is um, powered armor that barely, barely degrades, and the other one is hundred uh, percent stealth suit from Oblivion, and so you win. Especially if you stack your crits and use the 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 ugly shotgun. You leave, you leave it alone. It's beautiful armor. You know, it's funny when I think about Fallout. There's like one sound that I think of more than anything other. It's like, that's the sound of ripping duct tape and then hammering your weapons as you repair everything like someone with like massive OCD. Yeah. Oh no, my thing is down one percent. I need to repair this. Well, the game does reward OCD more so than even Oblivion did. I had like my locker. I had like one of every variation of gun, one every variation of suit, one every variation of hat. Would I ever wear or look at any of these things? No, but I needed it, and I needed well, oh, and I needed extras of each in case I wanted to repair the first one I had. Yeah, because all the hats were so different with their plus one perception bonus. Hey, um, hey, hey! Those glasses made me look. <laughs> okay. I- I totally wore a party hat for most of my game, remember, Scott? I never I know. changed it. <laughs> never changed it, because hey, I killed that. I do not object <laughs> to taking trophies. <laughs> yes, Manny, I killed the kid, the big kid from Little Lamplight, because his oh, jokes were jerk. awful. Well, I waited till he got to big, to big Town, and then I shot him in the back of the head. You know what makes me sad is that you can't... There's this one girl who, who's into you over at a, at the Big, big Kid Town. You know, the oh, one yes. who's like... Who's emo and goth? She's yep. into you, and it's like you can't date her. What's up with that, man? She should come back to my pad. Totally, but the game is like, nip. It's pretty lame. It is pretty lame. I'm very upset with that. I, I bet you anything. Fallout 4 gets announced. It's gonna be. They're gonna take everything they learned in Skyrim, everything they learned from New Vegas, and what and what Obsidian did, and they're gonna roll that all. They're pretty good at learning their lessons, and they roll in every chain. They they roll in improvements every single way. It's kind of weird how see. they learn, though. It seems like they, they like to reinvent themselves every time around. But so they, I, I, I mean, think they learn some of the core. They, they learn some of the core things, like uh, managing your followers was way easier in New Vegas, and then even easier still in in uh, Skyrim. That kind of stuff, you know. Well, you know, no, you can I don't also think we actually. Easier. I don't think we actually man- mentioned game mechanics, but I will say this did a really good job of marrying shooter and RPG in a way that's interesting. As opposed to, say, um, Alpha Protocol or um, Deus Ex. Did you guys not talk about the core foundation of this game, which is the VAT system? No, we haven't even talked about that. That is like the core of what this game is. This is 99% of what you're doing. Forget the story. Forget the moral choices. This game is pause, pick a body part. Forget forget (laughs) the exploration. Is that what we just said? Forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the game is just like... 98% 98% to hit torso, click, 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 and then watch the slow-mo bullets fly. You know, there's a thing about... Are we not able to aim at the eyes anymore? No, no you can't pick the eyes or the groin. Oh, no, that sucks. You know, it's I know, it did suck, but the ESRB had some problems with it in 3D with full <laughs> animations. Go figure. Stupid ESRB. My yeah, favorite was the headshots, anyways, and the knee shots, because I'm really, really fond of knee shots for some reason. Well, th- this game just sort of reveled in slow mo dismemberment in ways that in in ways that are not healthy. 
So the VAT system is like uh, just a quick recap. It's a semi real. It's a semi turn based system where uh, you can shoot your guns in real time, but anytime you can hit a button and you'll pause the action all around you, and then you can target and zoom in on different body parts on an enemy on various different enemies, and you have like a certain set number of action points, and you can say like. I'm gonna using this gun. It's gonna take this many action points out of my pool of ten to hit this body part, and then I can move to the next guy and then pick this body part. And then you know, you execute that action. And it runs in slow motion. You see the effects, and then you wait a little bit until your your AP recharges. So it's a good mix of first person and then stop everything, turn based, and then you uh, like this. Un- this is a very good introduction for JRPG fans that want to transition into Western games where you can play this game turn-based. Yeah. It, and, it, and it still works very well. It's like the halfway point between like a, JR, a JRPG and Mass Effect, right? Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, uh, and there's a lot of incentives to do it because you, like for example, when you're wandering around and you see, uh, heaven forbid, you spot uh, a Deathclaw what? before they spot you. You go, <gasps> Deathclaw. Head, headshot, headshot, headshot. Oh, but if they spot you and you're not that strong, aim for the legs. Shoot them in the yeah. leg, run away. <laughs> if you can't, if you know you can't kill them. Oh, ne- never, never, never think of luck as a dumb stat, because then death claws will start spawning at around level four, and you cannot do that. You're not ready. You can't deal oh. with that shit. Like, the best thing to deal with the Death Claw was the... You know, there was a crafting system, too, and, like, the, my favorite crafted weapon was the... The, craft, the crafting system needed a lot more work, and I oh, think yeah, yeah. that was where New Vegas shined particularly. But even, well, even, the just the ability, even just the ability to make cool custom weapons was nice in this game. Uh, the, 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 the poison dart gun was invaluable, because it would instantly cripple the legs of any enemy and solely poison them. So if you saw a Death Claw and you were way too weak to deal with them, just... Poison dart him and run away. <laughs> then they keeled over, and it was not so bad. And yeah, but then I love that there's take a game. Their hands, which were somehow worth money, uh, that never made sense until New Vegas, when you could turn them into um, a weapon in their own right. But you know, it, it was totally. I, I just love the fact that you can be wandering this wasteland, and there could be enemies, or like a group of enemies, like that's a super mutant, or that's like the mega mutant, or that's a death claw, or that's a group of death claws. So you would just go, <gasps> and you would crouch. You'd just be like, I don't back up very slowly. But the fact that you can just be doing it, you know, it's not just this cakewalk. You really would just go, oh, I'm screwed. I don't remember that happening much in Skyrim, if ever, where I would just be wandering around and just suddenly stop in my tracks and have to assess the situation, what I was going to do to get out of it. Well, I, th- I think the closest thing were dragons, but even then it was it was more like dragons were there to inconvenience you yeah. rather than actually be a threat. It Sometimes, was like bass fishing. Oh. Like, a dragon. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It was like a fishing TV show where it's like, man, we don't actually care about this fish. We just want to make him late for something. <laughs> you take the, hey, fish, I got you. Throw him back. <laughs> now you're late for your fish appointments. Ha ha ha. That was rude. That's what you get <laughs> for uh, paying attention to shiny objects. Bass, bass. Uh, the, so we, uh... Blah, blah, hacking, so much hacking. You know, the funny thing is, is that we like to think of these games as these open worlds, but you spend, like, most of your time either lockpicking... Spend a lot of time in your repair screen, your your lockpicking screen, and your hacking screen. Oh, and, you know, it's funny how we talk about open world, open world, open world, but, like, man, you spend a lot of time in samey-looking corridors. Well, 
unlike a lot of dungeons in Oblivion or Skyrim, um, the the environments of Fallout Three felt like real places that got repurposed for something else. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's there's one particular mem- memorable dungeon, which is a it, it it was a school, but now it's full of bandits and they've set up some traps and some cool things and there are you know some beds full of corpses and then it's like, but it's still recognizably a school as opposed to, hey, it's Skyrim. Here's a cave full of necromancers, or. Here's a cave full of Draugr. Do the raiders sleep with the dead bodies? I always wonder. That. Like, what do they do? They kill the dead body and then burn it on the mattress, and then just like leave it. But then there are people in the room with the mattress. Do, are they sharing the mattresses with the dead bodies? What are they doing? I don't think they're sharing the mattresses because I never see raiders sleeping. Everybody. No, see NPCs who run shops sleep and. <laughs> You sleep if you feel like it, or if you've got a mod that forces you to have a sleep schedule. But then you've got raiders who who never seem to actually have to sleep. He gets you in your <laughs> sleep. <laughs> My Freddy Krueger reference just derailed the entire podcast. Good. 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 Well, it's Yay! good to know that Freddy Krueger is still alive. Uh, what would that be? Two hundred seventy-five years from now. <laughs> Oh, you you can't stop Freddy. Nothing stops Freddy. It's true. Not even the power glove could stop him. That it. That's right. The power glove. Power glove with its badness cannot stop Freddy. Why? Why would? Why would the collapse of civilization and nuclear winter do the same? Well, that that's nothing next to the remake. <laughs> if that couldn't stop him, what else can? Hmm. I'm curious. So, did I, any of you... so are we done? Oh, I was going to ask a question though. Do you, have any of you actually been to DC? No, I have We're Canadians. not. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying this. If Canadians are going to visit something, it's going to be DC, right? I don't no. know about that. <laughs> it's a big tourist spot. Lots of Canadians come to Washington DC. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I just uh, haven't. See, come. that that seems like something I'd have to pick out specifically, as opposed to other areas where it's like, oh, I'm going to this, but incidentally, I will also go here. Well, I brought it up, though, because I, w- I was in D.C. last summer, and I was amazed at how much I recognized, like, oh, this is what Fallout 3 looks like when I walked into the subway. But it's it clean. It like that. But it's clean well, and of, not full of. of ants. Sort so of. You know, there we that, go. And that aspect, you know, if you've ever been to D.C., I'm sure that really, like, changed your perspective on, on that game, too. It, they did a pretty good job of just, like, getting the general feel of the of the of the where everything is the basic architecture design of the subway system uh just like a lot of little things you go like oh i guess that is where that it would be okay cool i know exactly where the national gallery is then it should be right over there oh and the natural history museum is right over there great and this is where the super mutants live got it so it was, <laughs> it was like a lot of little things were like walking around like oh i totally recognize this from fallout cool I, I'm sure if I ever end up down that 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 way, I will be disappointed that I don't have to engage in trench warfare against super mutants to get to the Capitol building. He really will be disappointed. This is the same man who wants to go to Italy and just look like he wants to climb the building. No, I'm not allowed to go to Italy because I will climb every single cathedral in the hopes of finding feathers and expanding my map range. Goodness gracious. He's and trying to kill me. I know, I'm marrying him. I know, what is wrong with me, Manny? <laughs> some days I wonder. But then I some days he... But then some days, you know what? I feel sorry for him. 
The CN Tower is where, honey? <laughs> North? <laughs> no? Okay. So, okay, we, so we got anything ask, else on this title? I was just going to ask Phil. Okay, so okay, you heard the negative and the positive. What do you think we said on this now, Phil? Uh, I think I need to just jump in there and play it and completely ignore the main storyline. That's just, really what you do. Just get out there and explore and chat with people and blow lots of things up using the VAT system. You sit there and you read read the main yeah. story. You're just kind of like, I want to hurt myself. It's, it's Make cool. sure you go through the bad guy town to find the unique combat shotgun because that is the key to the game. It's that gun and luck and stealth and then you win at everything. Because it's ugly. Actually out, the, the ugly shotgun does outclass a nuclear weapon in terms of damage output. Hmm. No, no, no. Do whatever you want to do, Phil. This is your story. Your story. There you go. And, uh, you know, Fallout 3, you can you can grab that off of, I'm going to pull it up on Steam right now, but, jeez, I grabbed it off a of Steam sale a while ago for, like, you know, five, ten bucks for the Game of the I, Year I think edition. That is, that's <laughs> a favorite sale for all the services, I find. Mm-hmm. You can uh, you can you can grab it retail right now for twenty bucks, um, which it's well worth that price. But uh, yeah, little patience will probably see that price drop in half or more <laughs> during uh, one of those uh, super sales these sites tend to have uh, during the holidays and uh, whatever other days they pull out of the rear end. Sometimes just on weekend sale. So uh, yeah, hey, it's Thursday. You can get Fallout Three and all its DLC for six dollars <laughs> <laughs> because it's thir- just because it's Thursday. Uh, so yeah, I will say though, if you if you are gonna play at this point and you have a PC that can run it, the PC is probably your way to go because yeah. these games have a tendency to break, and it's great to be able to jump into the what do they call it the, con- the control panel? What's the yeah, thing? the control panel, and actually like say like, oh, this character disappeared under a mountain. Let me bring him back. <laughs> well, and and I think as well, one of you, I was trying to switch back my way past this invisible wall. And got stuck. Let let's turn on no clip for a minute so I can get yeah. back to doing something. And I think as one of you uh, mentioned earlier, um, the the PlayStation versions tend to be a little buggy. Oh, don't do not buy but that. What well, if you buy but but that's the game on your PlayStation Three? You're a dummy. I'm calling you a dummy right now. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah, you should have learned that back during Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah. Oh, and heaven forbid you're doing Sky. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. Just. Just don't, guys. Get your PC version on, um, if at all I possible. I played it on 360. And yeah, it's fine on 360. There was no problems on 360. Yeah, it does run smooth. Yeah, if you have, if you had to play it on console, 360 three. As much as I love my my PlayStation, because I do. I love my PS3. I just refuse to play the majority of Western RPGs on it. Right. Um. Cool. Well. Uh. Any Any final thoughts? So generally, everybody needs to go out and play it. Just ignore the main story. Any uh, Any other final thoughts before we head on to our next segment? Honestly, it's a fun game, and yeah, as long as you ignore the main story, you will have lots and lots uh, of fun. I will say this, though, to be contrary, I think that the main story is largely inoffensive, and it's worth doing some of it to unlock certain things in the world. Like, Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, like uh, I got un- the song and stuff like that, you can't do it without some of the main quests. And, like, uh, unlocking the Enclave, having them show up so you can steal their power armor or, like, uh, certain plasma Ugh, weapons. I hate the Enclave. And one of the best uh, followers is you eventually get through the main story, which is Fox. He's this big, happy super mutant that talks to you. I, I, I wish that I put more time into this title before the podcast so I could talk more intelligently on it. But in, in playing another 
title that's similar to this and playing Oblivion. Um, I have pretty much found that to be the case in that game, Manny, as well, where the, the, the main quest line, it's it's inoffensive. It's okay. It's, it's yeah, kind of generic stuff. But I always had a lot more fun uh, going off the beaten track and just walking into this one guy. And he's got this one quest. It's just way off the rails. It's out in left field. It's like, like you said, it's telling your character's story. And that's where those, the, you know, that's where that title shines. And it sounds like it's very similar here with Fallout Like 3. Oblivion, I completed the main storyline. And I was okay. I, I don't. It didn't. It doesn't. It didn't stick out of my brain. But I finished it. It was largely inoffensive. But it just pales in comparison to like the Thieves Guild quest or the the Brotherhood. You know, oh, it's there. But everything else around it will outshine it. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. The whole point of playing a Bethesda game is to dick around in a world that's not your own. Yep. And never feel bad if you don't finish it. In quotes, the fact that you, I mean, like I said, Set I may never go back to Skyrim. I spent like a hundred hours of that game and. Even if I never play that game again, I more than got my money's worth for the time. Well, that's the other thing. It. It's like, you know, you can now get the game for like 10 bucks, and you'll probably Five get more out of... Sale. Yeah, and you'll it's probably like, get more out of playing Fallout 3 for that $10 reduce than you would, you know, a AAA shooter that you play once. It's like 50 well, okay. cents an hour of value. Unless you're like like my uncle, who is apparently able to play Medal of Honor, Ghost Warfare, or whatever it is, over and over and over every day. I don't know. Well, some of that is multiplayer. It has to be. All of it is multiplayer, I think. (laughs) Then, yeah, no. We mean a single-player campaign. I will chime in very briefly. A friend of mine, when he heard that we were doing this tonight, said, Ah, Fallout 3, my first Western RPG. I liked you very much. That's all he had to say. It was one you know, of my as first, intro actually, to so. Western gaming. I think that's a good route. I, th- this is this is as fine as any other. If you are curious about Western games, because I know says, I I turned a few of you play, mm, talk. Well, I know I turned a few people off Planescape because of the fact that it was exceptional for Western games. You know, you say this crap, and you made me play New Vegas first. Well, yeah, because it was the right thing to do. <laughs> well, knowing your sensibilities, totally. I get it. I like a lot about New Vegas. This is different. I like a lot about New Vegas. I think... It's just a sad case of two people queuing that, that poor game. And, and sometimes Obsidian gets up its own butt with the storytelling sometimes. And it's like, like, how about we just have a little bit more fun here? <laughs> Instead of you worrying so much about the integrity of your world. Screw integrity, I will always pick the dick moves in New Vegas because that's where I get my most joy. That's all that matters is dick moves. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's uh, uh, that's the name of our that, show. Shall that be our ending point? <laughs> that's uh, that's the name of our show tonight, Call Mike, it, when you're posting it. it. Man, play the music. Yeah. This is Three Dog. Ow! Wish you a good night from the Capital Wasteland. So I think with that, we're, we're going to end that segment. Uh, we're going to put on some uh, good old-fashioned Fallout 3 music, and we'll be right back with a quick blast from the recent past. Let's go sunning. It's so good for you. Let's go sunning. Need the sky of blue. Greet the sun every morn. Feel as free and happy as the day you were born. Let's go native. Sun your cares away. Be creative. Learn to live and play. Pretty flowers need the sun. This applies to everyone. Life's worth living when nature's given. Happiness. 
Last from the recent past segment, that part of the show, we talk about a game or two games or whatever we feel like it. It came out about a couple of years ago to tell you whether or not you need to rush out and buy it or pull out your backlog or whatever. Today's choice is Pokemon Conquest, developed by Tecmo Koei, published by Nintendo. This was released on the Nintendo DS June 18th, 2012, a tactical RPG experience, and it's coming to, to you on a Nintendo DS cart. Um... Mike, is, is, is it a 3DS download yet? Because that's a mistake, if it's not. It's not. Oh, it needs to be. Hey, Mike. Well, Nintendo is bad, and they should feel bad. Wait, Nintendo making mistakes with its online policy? Stop the presses. <laughs> God. Hey, 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 Mike. I'm listening. You've played Pokemon games before, right? Actually, no. No? You've never played a Pokemon game. You've never game. played a Pokemon game. Correct. Holy sweet Hosanna! What does the world come to? You've got a DS and you've not played a Pokemon. Okay, uh, you're you're just. I had a GBA before that. I had actually I didn't have an original Game Boy before that, but whatever. I I have skipped Pokemon. Ay ay ay. Okay, uh, 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 I'm looking for someone here. I'm looking for Marshmallow. Okay, have um, you played Have you played Pokemon Conquest before? No. Okay, have you talk played? Talk to po- my soon to be husband. I know, I know, but I don't want to talk to him. I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, then <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> okay, have you played a Pokemon game before? Yes. Okay. Have you ever played Nabuga's Ambition? Actually, yes. Okay. Nabuga, I mean? Whatever his name is. Uh, let's just call him <laughs> let's just call him Noogie Head. Noogie Head's Ambition, don't, don't okay? His name. He was a very, very important person in Japanese history. And I'm he a very important so person on this podcast and I chew up names. That's my shtick. Okay. So Manny, let's just say Manny, tell Phil to stop. <laughs> because one dog ain't enough and two is too low. It's me, three dog. Ow! I feel the, the shame of Three Dog is that he never really mentioned Three Dog Night, and that is Canadian rock at its finest. I'm pretty sure we're getting off the rails. Okay, so let's say... Three Dog Night? Marshmallow. Let's just say that I took these two and put them together. Doesn't that sound like a formula for awesome kick-assness? Yes. Or does, it sound, or, or does it sound like a disaster waiting to happen? No, it sounds like drugs. It sounds like drugs, right? I mean... When I heard this was first coming out, it sounded like a joke. Doesn't it sound like a joke? Like, like who no, does this? No, it sounds very, very, very tailored to the Japanese market. Like, it sounds very like specific exactly subset. Japan. Mm. Like, that is exactly Japan. So imagine my surprise when it came out here in the United States and I got it, and it was actually good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is totally a good game. You know, honestly, I'm not that surprised because it's like some like it's like a developer over here making like a Lincoln Force or something. And, like, there's a nudge, nudge, and a wink, wink. But, you know, Lincoln Force could be totally fun. <laughs> yes. Lincoln Force. No, Link, like, a game starring Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln Force or something. I played a game where it was called 8-Bit Lincoln. It was a board game. It was fantastic. Was it fun? Yeah. It oh, my goodness, yes. It was adorable. You were playing a side-scrolling um, board game where Lincoln had many power-ups, including beard and punching. Yo, Phil, I, like I, would just, 
I just brought that up because I, I, I with the affinity that the Japanese have for uh, for uh, Sengoku era history and for Pokemon and for strategy games, I'm not the least bit surprised that this was treated with a deft hand. Mm. So, um, hey, so Scott, since you also love this game so much, do you remember if it had a story that we actually cared about? Because no, no, because I was so much more into the game. No, but I go. Nobunaga bad. Bad. Train Pokemon to fight him. Yeah, gotta catch them all to kick his ass. Um, or a bunch of them at least. Really good ones to kick his ass. Yeah. Mostly ice types, cause type, cause, uh, type advantage means way more here than it does in the main Pokemon game. It, it sure does. I mean, holy crap. Yeah. Having a well balanced team with a little emphasis on ice. Very helpful. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, gosh, do you remember how many Pokemon were in this game? Uh, I think it was like uh, it wasn't all of them. I think they managed like three hundred, though, which is fine. Three hundred is a manageable number of Pokemans. It's a lot of Pokemon. All right, enough of the Pokemon joke, which is a joke of in of itself. Just saying that name, I get it. Internet, haha. I want. I have a couple questions for you guys. Hold on so one second. Let me. Got... Hold on one second. Let me, let me say good good night to Sam. She needs to get some sleep, and we really appreciate her being on the show. So I want to send her. I want to send her with an appropriate send off. Thank you so much, Sam. We really love having you on. Good night, oh, Sam. You. Sleep well. Yeah, I love you all, Nighty especially night. Manny. Manny. Good gets, night, children. He gets he gets new favorite status. I love you too as well, Scott. I'll see you later. But but you don't love Scott. You love Manny. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I'll be. Commenting on that when we post a thread for this show. All right. Now Scott knows he loves knows I love him. We've, we've got it's that just always, clarified. You gotta put the appreciation of it's that Scott guy that I live with. Mm. I love you, sweetie. He's gonna kill you, me. honey. He's I'll gonna kill me later. later. Oh great! Wow, all the gushiness just captured online, and the and the abuse that follows. <laughs> and on wow. that note, oh, sleep well, Sam. Sleep well, Sam. Good night. With one Good eye night. open. <laughs> exactly. Good night. <laughs> All right, so I'm sorry, Manny. What were you trying to say? I was going to ask you guys. The impression I had of this game was that uh, uh, you had a commander, right? A commander unit who was like a historical figure, and he would command a group of Pokemon soldiers on the field on just like a on a turn-based uh, Final Fantasy Tactics-style grid. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a little different factor here is that each uh, each Pokemon only has one move, which. Sounds even more limiting than normal Pokemon, where you only get like four. Um, but uh, but it actually kind of works here because you've got you know six on the grid at any time, plus your general. And you've got terrain effects and mm -hmm. uh, passive passive abilities that derive from the various historical figures running around on the field. And the general has a move or two, right? Yeah, the, there there are support moves uh, from your generals that work. Yeah. So uh, a couple of moving pieces there that uh, keep it uh, keep it just interesting enough. I mean, for me, I, I prefer my tactical RPGs a little more complicated, and I found that you know what they had there was just enough to keep my uh, interest without immediately putting me to sleep. Um, but made it in other words, made it fun, just uh, more more fun than I actually expected given description. And, and then tying, you know, so you do you have that kind of combat, your tactical turn based kind of Final Fantasy Tactics style combat with with Pokemon. But uh, the other side of it is is kind of a romancing of the Three Kingdoms uh, Empire management deal going on. You have the city or cities that you currently have under your control. Well, it's still pretty lightweight compared to say True. even a mainline. No, but I guess ambition title. It's just like, hey, uh, you control these three towns. Uh, tell them what you want them to do this turn. Mm -hmm. 
I think you could set – couldn't you set strategies of the generals in those towns so that the towns would follow – like the towns would upgrade themselves? Yeah, uh, that, you, could, you could kind of just give these broad directives or get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Um, but you're right. None of the town management aspect of it was nearly as deep as a, you know, a, a mainstream noogie head game or whatever. So no, but um, but you know that the... we just lost every Koei game player out there. Yeah, it's sort of like the equivalent of, of you saying like uh like that Link Lanklon Lanklon Lank. I'm just gonna call him Lin hmm, for Lincoln or something. See here. My cariness. No. Um. All right. So <laughs> all right. Go, I, I've uh, now that I've ticked off half the Koei audience. That, 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 don't worry, Manny. If, if they're still listening to the RPG backtrack after a hundred episodes, they know that I slaughter every single name all right, um, all right. out there, so they're used to that. Um, anywho, um, uh, but 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 you know, while each of these components are kind of lightweight, and I don't think either of those make a great, compelling game in and of themselves, either the battle side or the the city management side. When you put them kind of together, it's a little bit like peanut butter and jelly, and you're kind of flipping back and forth between the two as you're building your your Pokemon armies, and you're making decisions that help the generals and their Pokemon uh, level up the cities and level up their Pokemon while they're in the cities, or you know, focus on generating currency. Um, whatever decisions you make to kind of get your your army going, um, and then picking and choosing, you know, which enemy city you want to attack next. And as Scott said, paying attention uh, to the elemental composition of your your enemies, doing a little bit of scouting sometimes helps. Um, because yeah, if you know what your, you know, if your enemy is mostly fire and what what is it, fire, ice, water, something. Uh, yeah, yeah, makes the battle oh so much easier. Oh my gosh, and it can quickly turn against you if you happen to get caught with your pants down. Uh, I've had that happen a couple of times where the guy just had a Pokemon that just rocked against the. Yeah, r- there, I, there, there's just one like a, it, it's sort of like the gym battle, the, the gyms in uh, fourth gen Pokemon, where there'd be one guy who is playing it smart and has one monster that is strong against the expected party of that gym. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. throws you through a loop here. Mm. Like Fire Guy will have like you you'll you'll go to fight Fire Guy and one of his Pokemans will be yeah. fighting type just to mess with your rock guys. Yes. Like, Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. And that's the one you're like, okay, keep my guys away from him and hopefully I brought one anti whatever type with me to take care of that guy and you're trying to do the pair offs. And that's where that's where the tactical theme does become a little more fun because you're using those elemental, you know, obstructions and stuff to you know, to to keep your str- you know, your guys paired off against the guys they should be fighting against so yeah those tables can turn really quick um i I don't i won't say i went through all 30 or whatever scenarios that are in there that you can play through but uh just went through a number of them but had a really good time there's there is just a metric buttload of post-game content on this that i barely scratched before it was like you know what i think i am finished yeah same here same here that's like you kind of have to define you have to define your own win condition here yeah so yeah just yeah i got through the main story and that was super you know that was super fun then did maybe a few of the post-game scenarios and you're right it's like okay um i'll put that on the shelf and if i get back to it at least i know that uh that i've got totally new scenarios that i haven't touched yet (laughs) so i got two questions for you guys all right Mm -hmm. question number one i don't mean this in a disparaging way but is this very much my first uh tactical turn-based game with a strategy layer yes yeah that's good. I mean, honestly, for if it's that accessible for younger audiences to get into it, and still fun enough for older audiences to enjoy it, like that's great. If the whole point, if uh, Tecmo Koei's whole point was to take the targeted audience of Pokemon and show them Nobunaga 
then they they did it very well. Yeah, that's a brilliant strategy. Imagine that. Uh, like with this move, we will convert an entire new generation of fans. Yeah, who will buy Dynasty <laughs> and they, Warriors. Yes. Although, if they did do a Pokemon Dynasty Warriors, I would probably buy that too. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? You're 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 running around slashing hundreds of other enemy soldiers with Pikachu by your side. Yeah, like Pikachu versus a hundred Pidgeys. Go, go! Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. So, um, oh, you know what? Let me just double check real fast what the price on this guy. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing that, question number two: um, mm-hmm. Is there a reason? Like, what's the story here? Is there a reason why Pokemon exists in this fe- in this uh, feudal Japanese world? Is it that the Pokemon world in the- is that this is set in the past? of the mainline Pokemon games and we're supposed to like before they became like future Japan they were medieval Japan with samurai or is this just some weird rift opening up between these universes what's going on well okay it is not the past of the Pokemon setting but neither is it a weird rift between the current our past and uh, the Pokemon world it is instead a third reality in which historical figures familiar to um, guys, uh, you know, anyone who's taken Japanese History 101 and uh, also happen to have access to Pokemon. It is or a played third Onimusha. stream. <laughs> anyone yeah. who played Onimusha. Like, you play Onimusha and you play Pokemon and you're pretty much clued in. Okay, so it's just a separate world. It's like, hey, historical figures, hey, Pokemon, let's fight. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So that makes me really curious how they're going to handle uh, the Shin Megami Tensei Fire Emblem crossover. Well, I th- well that that is actually a dimension crossing thing where um, the Fire Emblem stuff is going to invade present day Japan with the digital dem- devil summoning and uh, stuff ensues. Weird. So, so it's interesting that they took this sort of like no, this is just the third reality approach with this one. Yeah. Well, I, I it does work, especially because it is a partnership. Like I'm sure, had it been uh, Game Freak and the Pokemon Company doing a Pokemon prequel, it would be much more like, hey, here is Kanto 500 years before Professor Oak decided to give uh, a 10-year-old access to Wikipedia. And is the story actually interesting, or is it just really just stop Nobunaga? It, it is, hey, yeah. Nubuna- Nobunaga is bad guy. Go, get Go forth and stop him. Yeah. How many hours would you say it took you to finish this up? Gosh, I... Well, the main the main story that's presented at the beginning, maybe a dozen, and then I, I spent yeah. then I spent maybe another half dozen or so on the some of the post post game content, but I, like I said, barely scratched the surface on that. They give you like, a whole bunch of scenarios. Like I'd I'd say ten for the main game, and then another twelve for all the alternate scenarios where it's like, well, now you're playing as this guy you recruited early, except now you're like. Uh, dealing with his side of things if it had uh, if if your main character had never shown up. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so uh, you can grab that. I'm seeing used copies uh, hovering around the fifteen to twenty dollar range, brand new at thirty dollars. Um, so definitely, if it sounds interesting to you, worth worth checking out and picking that up uh, and giving it a whirl. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll wrap the show up with the final app. morning a missionary advertised with neon sign he tell the native population that civilization is fine 
and three educated savages holler from a bamboo tree. A donkey by his That civilization is a thing for me to see. So bongo, 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 I don't want to leave the Congo. Oh, no, 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 no. Bingo, bango, bungle, I'm so happy in the jungle I refuse to go. Don't want no bright lights, false teeth, doorbells, landlords, I make it clear. That no matter how they coax him, I'll stay right here. I look through a magazine the missionary's wife conceals. Magazine? What happens? I see how people who are We have returned and we're ready to wrap this up automobiles. with the final half this part of the show. We read your comments, do kitchen sink stuff, just tell you what's on our minds, our hearts, and read lots of legalistic stuff at the end. So, uh, speaking of comments, wow, we got, a, we got a lot of comments for our last show. Yeah, and we apparently got some related comments in the last RPG cast thread, too. Yeah, yeah, because um, I made a little bit of appearance over there and kind of spilled over. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to... Oh, boy. I'll say this. Uh, okay, you you want Nino Cooney? I Frankly, it's so recent that I, it hadn't occurred to me to schedule an episode on it, but uh, all right. Well, it's, it's still at least a year off, at which point yeah. you can hear me proclaim explain my uh blood my blood vengeance against akihiro hino which is really only tangential to nino kune it's mostly about gundam age which is shit are you guys this is turned into like vh1 i love the 2000s like in mid 2006 <laughs> you guys are doing nino kino already you guys remember well, 2002 sure. uh, we're not yeah, doing we do. it yet that was three years ago I, i'm like... sure we can break it up with some mass effect and some dragon ages yeah, yeah, we're not doing it yet because uh, th- this is just about people ideas people threw down for future backtracks. And yes, Nino Kuni is an idea for a future backtrack, not a present backtrack, a future backtrack. Aren't yes, all know, things just, future backtracks? I made earlier. Like, isn't even isn't even Mugen Soul Z under consideration for future backtrack? Yes, that will be part of an episode in which everyone who cares to come on will dis Idea Factory in every possible way, wish all of its employees death and dismemberment and horrible, horrible lives, and wish that their stocks fall down into nothingness, wish that the company's future is proclaimed to be non-existent because it is dis- disbanding immediately, wish that all of its products cease to exist in the most explosive manner possible, and other such matters along those lines. But tell us how you, you make the really feel. Jeez. It could be both. Wait, that's Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, Scott. If that didn't make it come across, then I might have to get a little more profane. I'm trying to avoid that, though. We're trying to stay a little upper class for the final lap. Yeah. So, yeah, I was on RPG Cast, and one of the things they do on RPG Cast is they ask a question of the week. And uh, no one had one, so of course I used that opportunity to plug RPG Backtrack shamelessly. And I said, "Hey, what games can we talk about?" So that's where we got a lot of suggestions on Nino Kuni, uh, Atlas games like Catherine. Maybe we talked about doing a you know like an Atlas grab bag show or something like that for some of those games that are out there a little bit in left field that may yes. or not technically if, be RPGs. If we do that, people. We will go way back. We are going to talk about Crusader of Senti back on the Genesis. That was an Atlas game. I'm sure that's what we were talking about, right? 
Maybe not. Yeah, because our staff loves the Sega Genesis so much. It's why we talk about it all the time on the website. Actually, we do. Um, yeah. Oh, and Lost Odyssey. I I wasn't sure that would sustain an entire episode, but maybe it will. All right. It, it was really long. I'm sure you could pair it with something else from Miss Walker and call it a day. Did you guys ever do Rogue Planet? Is that the name of that game? Rogue Galaxy? There you go, Rogue Galaxy. Rogue Galaxy. No, we haven't um, done that yet. Mm-mm. That game feels ancient because it just flopped as soon as it came out. Hmm. So, um, Considering all the love we see for it now... Obviously, those people weren't buying it at the time. Yeah, so if you want to head, uh, you want to check out the uh, RPG Cast. It's uh, one of our sister shows, founded rpgamer.com. Links there on the left hand side for the RPG Cast. Uh, whatever the last show was, it was 300 and chain, 307, 308, something along those lines. Uh, whatever. Uh, that was the one I was on. So, and we talk about a lot of really cool stuff um, going through the news and stuff. And so, moving on, let's see, we've got more comments here. Lots more comments? Yep. Are we still doing the RPG cast, or are we on our, our own uh, our, our own thread, yeah. Yeah, our own thread. Because I will say that Tales of Zillia is still too recent, and that's, okay, you, you want more Tales, I get it. Well, yeah, I, it, it seems like Tales fans are starved for attention. Yeah, lately Namco has really been keeping the Tales games away from North America. I'm I'm sorry for all the Tales fans out there. I'm not because they they act like jerks on our forums. <laughs> Isn't Namco going to be showing off new Tales games at E3? Maybe. Well, what else are they going to show off? It's like it's not like they're going to try to make Gundam fans happy. So, uh Let's see here. Shaman uh, Shaman mentions that Anna's part of the skit scared the hell out of out of them. Apparently, Anna is really good at portraying malevolent shadows. Make of she that can, what she can you just will. Put that on her resume. Uh, Galleon says that he agrees that the story of Blue Dragon is totally forgettable, but what's forever burned in his brain is that the game has a fantastic boss battle song, which I believe I managed to get in. Um, I think at, you did because Mister yeah. Apps linked it to both of us as a reminder. Yeah, so hopefully everybody enjoyed that as much as uh, Galleon. Does the singer of Deep Purple give you a true boss battle feeling? Yeah. I never thought of Deep Purple in connection with boss battles before, but that's just me. Uh, Victor points out that we failed in our duty to thoroughly spoil everything in those games because no one mentioned two big plot twists near the end of the game, one about a party member and one about a villain. I guess everyone forget about those two. Both were fairly obvious, anyways. So maybe, so th- so maybe they don't count as very good spoilers if people can predict them easily. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. He also asked about the microtransactions in Rainbow Moon, since I mentioned that on the last show. Uh, do they bother me at all? So far, I've not run into a paywall. I, I didn't even know I could buy them, but in researching it, apparently you can. I must have missed the pop-up thing that says, hey, listen, you can you can buy uh, these moon pearls that'll make the game easier. You earn them normally through battle, but I guess uh, towards the from what I've read on the forums and stuff, towards the end of the game, where it gets a little bit harder, uh, you get tempted maybe to uh, bypass the normal grinding process and uh, pop some of those things in. But uh, so far, seems to be you know kind of smooth. It's slow for a tactical RPG. It definitely gets off to a slow start. I've put five or six hours into it so far, 
and I'm just now got the second character. So, I mean, for the first five hours, I'm playing one guy against three or four enemies. So you can imagine how exciting that is. I get one turn, they, I get one turn, they get two as I off. I get one, yeah. It, it's definitely a bit on the uh, bit on the slow side, but, um, you know, it's on the Vita, it's free. I'll probably still keep getting through it. Uh, text. You, have no, you have nothing else to play on the Vita? Uh, you know, I just, it was there. I think that's the thing about those PSN games is that they're loaded on my memory <laughs> stick. Whereas I've only got one cartridge, you know, from the games that I've actually bought in there. And at the time, it seemed a little bit more appealing than what I, I think I had Mortal Kombat in the cartridge slot. So, um, and I was flying, so I was trapped with my Vita. And I did play a lot of, um, uh, what's that game uh, called with the Stardust? Oh my gosh, I love Stardust. Uh, and on the Vita, it's just, you know, it's very pretty. Uh, TechSide uh, said... TechSide tech is a new member also. New member. Awesome. Welcome to the forums. Um, and said Don't that, let um, other people in the forums scare you from commenting, unless it's maybe me, because I'm, I'm a jerk. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Sam would back you up on that. Yep. He mentions that during the Heroes of Monta rant, his boss looked at him and confused him while he tried not to laugh his head off. Yeah, that's going back to when we rounded up all the Mana games that are not secret of, and I laid into Heroes of Mana with a fiery vengeance that left it bleeding on the mat, hopefully dead after multiple concussions. I have no sympathy for what I did to it. He did. Uh, he dies. He dies. <laughs> he uh, he did. Uh, he did also mention that the uh, that the show made him curious enough to track down uh, a copy and pause. No, it, and... it did not. Oh, it did not. Oh, you're it right. Made him curious, but not curious enough <laughs> to track down a copy. <laughs> Thanks for the correction. There, my eyes are getting a little fuzzy this late at night. And pause says, "I consider this a job well done." Um, <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff. Um, and let's see here. I think that's that's the big things that jump out at me. Remember, uh, you can leave your comments at board.rpgamer.com. Uh, just a little note, if you want to leave comments because you're listening to some of our previous episodes, don't look up those old threads. You can always leave comments on our most recent Backtrack uh, thread. Just reference uh, the show that you're talking about. Uh, or shoot, but, fill an email. That's or shoot, yeah. Right. Or always do the email thing, yeah. Um, absolutely, because we don't like Negro threads at rpgamer.com. <laughs> don't, don't resurrect old no, threads. No, you, you don't want to tick off pause that way. Mm-hmm. No, I did that once. I never did it again. So I even asked her permission, like, on that one thread. I'm like, is it okay for me to post on this one thread? I don't want, you know, it's a sticky, but it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, go figure that one. So, yeah, leave your comments on our forums. Join in the conversation. A lot of conversation went on for Blue... I was surprised. A lot of conversation for Blue Dragon, which we all agreed was pretty mediocre, and usually mediocre games at once. I think a lot of people chased that game expecting it to be Final Fantasy the way they remembered it, and it it didn't click. All righty. So, let's see. What's our next show about, Mike? Do you remember? Our next show will be... On the Legend of Heroes games that made it to the PSP with some translations that, frankly, we are surprised to, that came out in the last ten years. I understand this is a pet pro, a pet joy of our very own Michael Cunningham, so he will be on for that. Alrighty, that sounds exciting. Um, yeah, cool beans. You know, you know the series that spawned that Trails in the Sky, which has an abbreviation which everybody knows. These and are everybody other games loves. In that series. Exactly. Everybody, I know. I talking about tits. Uh, I know Becky loves to say that. <laughs> People love the abbreviation just a little too much. 
Hey, uh, they everyone loves tits the exact right amount. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, let me take it's a moment. It's not the size of the game, it's the quality of the game. Oh, jeez. Let You're me take saying a... that those aren't related when it comes to tits? Okay, okay, no, no, we're stopping this. We are putting the brakes on this, and we're going to take a moment to remind More me... than a handheld game is enough. No, no, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it, man. Bad, Mandy, bad. I'm, I'm so replacing all this with a Final Fantasy VII ampersand. Okay, so... <laughs> No, me... you won't, because you love it too much, Phil. <laughs> uh, someone has to be the voice of reason. Isn't that your job, Mike? I think it was Mike's job to be the voice of reason. I'm the one who usually has to be controlled. All right, you're already you're already being the voice of reason. What do you expect me to do? Stop these two from exclaiming over a subject about which they clearly know a great deal. So, um, uh, let's remind. I, I just can't help ejaculating over tips. Oh, jeez. Okay, Scott no. is the master. He knows what's up. Oh no! Stop it, man! Stop, bad people, bad, bad guest. All right, so let's take a moment to remind our audience that the RPG Backtrack is brought to you by RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best RPG gaming community on the net. If you check it out now, we've got reviews of Path of Exile, Steel, Steam, Steel and Steam, something or other, Ragnarok Odyssey A, 30 Last Minute Hero, whatever it's called. So two, number two. We got, of course, RPG Cast. Oh, it's number 306. That was the one I was on called Two Cats No Paws. We have Impressions of Soul Sacrifice Delta. Uh, we got a Currents uh, column written by Mr. Trent. Um, oh, and Drakengard uh, 3 review just went up by Mr. Glenn and review of Transistor by Adrian no, the, Denauder. The, the, review, the review is by Michael Cunningham. He just couldn't post it this, at the uh, embargo date. So Glenn did it. So Glenn did it. So that makes it totally okay if somebody else posted it. Well, hey, we're all friends on the index, except when we're not. <laughs> uh, um, definitely check out the Transistor. Uh, that one surprised me. Uh, that's a very uh, interesting game. So you want to read that review? Well, you want to read this, but that one just. Uh, I won't go any more detail than that. It's more of a current event thing. But go and check it all out at our website. Alrighty, uh, let's. Uh... Uh, oh, and, oh, last but not least, a preview of Valiant Universe RPG Quick Start Guide by one Mr. Scott A. Wachter. So all of that and more. At hey, Catalyst released a thing, and I have problems with it. That um, sounds, that doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's do a quick round table. This is where you guys share what you're doing on the side, what's tickling your fancy, what you're playing, anything you want to talk about. Let's start with, since you haven't been on the show for so long, let's start with Mr. Manny. What's on your mind? What's on your heart? So, you know, 24 came back, right? And I'm thinking, Jack is too old to be doing this show. How many seasons did it go through in the first run? Seven or eight? I can't remember. It went like, one season too long. About two too many. One I, I season too two. long, for sure. I would say two. No, because the last season ended... They went as far as they could possibly go. I mean, for goodness sakes, they were in the White House. They had... They took everything down. They, you know, they... I mean, you can't go any further. And not only that, though, that season started after a TV movie. Like... Okay, in the season before that, he already escaped and was supposed to be gone forever. And then they brought him back through a TV movie that was supposed to be like, oh my god, he's back. He's back. This is it. And then it's this crazy thing where Tony comes back and it turns out Tony had a kid and he's the enemy. And then they're in the White House and they barely and everyone he ever loved died and he's about to die. And that's where it should have ended. But then it's like he comes back and like, no, we, we can still make some money. Then he comes back again. He fake falls in love 
in like one episode, like in one hour, he, in the span of one hour, he falls in love, and then this lady dies in the next hour, and then he goes, "I'm so angry, I'm gonna kill everybody," and then well, he he ran out of daughters. Oh, so bad! It was so bad. But now he's back again because drones. All right, that was on my mind. Fair enough. <laughs> it's not. It's not like Kiefer Sutherland seems to have any other pressing gigs except for t- more Twenty Four. Uh, he has hey. like the most pressing gig. He's a uh, Solid Snake now. Oh no, not Solid Snake. Naked Snake. Yeah, he Big he, boss. he is a snake now. The most bored of snakes. Yeah, a naked snake is the most bored of snakes. Yes. Although, if okay. this results in him squaring off against David Hayter in the next game, I will be incredibly pleased. We'll see what Hideo Kojima cooks up, I guess. I Kojima would do it, man. Kojima can cook up damn near anything, I'm sure, bro. But he can't cook up a decent English localization of Snatcher. Needs to port to something other than the Sega CD, I think. Obviously, That, low it, that was the biggest it. problem. <laughs> Lego. You know, I had that game. Oh, and, if, and if anybody else had a Sega CD, I might have loaned it, but I don't have it anymore. Sorry. Anything no. else? No. Anything else? <laughs> I need to buy a new TV. Fair enough. What about Mr. Scott? So, uh, I am playing Feng Shui 2 before anyone else. Feng Shui? And... Is that just moving shit around your house? Excuse me, is that just moving things around your house? Oh, okay, it is a tabletop game that is specifically emulating uh, Hong Kong action movies. Oh, okay. and, and and there's some rearranging shit around your house, but also rearranging shit across uh, time and space. I thought and, it was a euphemism for we're moving and I need to move some stuff around my house. Feng no. Shui 2. Feng Shui 2, uh, subtitle pending. Uh, it, is, it is hella awesome. I like that he's abandoned any pretense of game balance. So what, so what sucks and what's awesome? No, it's all awesome. There is, okay. there is no suckage. There's no suckage here. All right. When, when you it say is... there's no balance, I have to. I immediately assume that something sucked. But if no, no. Uh, awesome, the first, that's... the first edition of the game tried to uh, tried to give every character type uh, equal equal value, which doesn't quite work for some of uh, the um, the one off classes, like say. Uh, transformed animals or scrappy kids, which are just naturally sidekicks. Uh, well, so now it's like, hey, if you're fitting into an action movie iconic type, you have more powers than other people because that makes sense. I'll buy it. Y- you know what? Jackie Chan is just better at things than um, than other other Hong Kong actors, and that's fine. If I can keep doing what Jackie Chan is doing in my mid-60s, I will be very, very happy with myself, I think. You mean he hasn't hit 70 yet? I thought he was 70 by now. I thought he was going to hit 70 in a couple of years, but not quite yet. How old is he now? Yeah, but this, is, this is an excellent question. Okay, he is, okay, he is only 60 as of this year. <laughs> wow. Okay, so, so we're both overestimating his age. Well, he just gets so beaten up. Like, he, he is holding together well, but... You know he he has broken everything ever more than once. Yeah, like yeah. He, he he has done a hundred movies. That that is a lot in movie years. Well, it would be one thing if he did a whole bunch of romantic comedies, but pretty much everything he's done, he broke many many bones. Yeah. Well, we kind of derailed that. Yeah, there we go. Lots of awkward pauses when we talk. Pre- pregnant pauses. So okay. Um, uh, anything else on your mind, Mister Scott? Not really, other than my continuing issues with Catalyst Game Labs and what they release. 
And yet Randall still keeps offering me free stuff. I don't think he quite clues into my attitudes at all. I don't think he reads what I post. Hmm. Okay. Uh, how about you, Mr. Minky? Well, since we last recorded, I am hopefully close to the completion of a couple things that will get reviews shortly. One is Boot Hill Heroes Part 1, which it, it's a lot better than most of the the indie games that I've played for the site. You know, somebody comes up to Sam and says, could somebody on the site review this? And she'll pass it along to somebody, and I'll usually say, sure. And the last time I did that, I got Steel and Steam Part 1 and kind of saw how that went. Boot Hill Heroes Part 1, though, well, I like westerns, so that's a good thing. And this one actually commits to being an RPG western, which you don't see very much of. And I don't know how much we should count Wild Arms here, because... Hey, um, I've got a copy of Owl Hoot Trail. Wait. Never mind. Wrong RPG. <laughs> At any rate, I hope to complete it shortly. I just haven't had much time for gaming on the computer lately. But it's a very enjoyable game. I can't really say the same for the Denpa Men 3, although it's kind of interesting. It's mechanic of making me take my 3DS out to other places to sample wireless signals in order to recruit more characters, which you do by wildly flailing your system in public to catch them. Yeah, I think I would not I tried it, and my aunt came over because she was faster than I expected and wondered loudly, what are you doing? And I just told her I take advantage of this different wireless signal, and then I kind of stayed quiet about it, and she just had a laugh because she knows absolutely nothing about video games, and why not was her clear thought process. Anyway, it's... Um, uh, Honestly, the Denpamen remind me of the Teletubbies in some respects. I don't know what the hell that means, but it's there. <laughs> and I get closer to the end of Ark the Lad 3. It's coming. My last mission was kind of fun. I got to beat up some guys who were trying to crash a stage. So I got to play security at a concert. Woo! Didn't last very long, but it was cool. Did Did you get uh, certain, certain uh, favors from women interested in meeting the band? Unfortunately, no. First of all, this concert ta- this concert takes place with about six people watching, and all of them seem to be male. I don't get it. Wow, that is that is a terrible venue. You should uh, quit roadieing for these guys and uh, just go back to waiting tables. Well, fortunately, I don't have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, you'd think that the, that the proprietor of the establishment, who actually is female, would have been interested, but no, because she's... I don't know, got at least 15 years on your... Of course, he's a teenage hero. It's a Japanese RPG. And I guess he's too stupid to be interested in the lady with who constantly wears heels and sings well. I don't know. Whatever. I don't, I don't look for logic all the time in these games because I'm not going to find it. And I will just say, go see Godzilla if you want a Godzilla movie. That movie from Roland Emmerich was not a Godzilla movie. That was a ripoff of Jurassic Park. Well, sometimes you just need an hour of uh, sitting around with unsympathetic characters being bland at each other until the monsters show up. Sometimes you do. Do you really need to have reminders of Jurassic Park interspersed there? Hey. I didn't think so. <laughs> I'm excited for Jurassic Park 4. I thought it was Jurassic World now. I, th- I think that's what they're calling it now. Yeah, it's, no, I'll, I'll gladly see it. I saw 3 and we saw how that went. Oh, God, don't remind me of three. Kay Leone and William H. Macy chasing after their stupid kid all over the island. Why is there still an island? Someone should have nuked that shit by now. 
because obviously everyone is incompetent. Especially, Actually, that's especially, especially Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he wasn't even in the third one. Yeah, he, he knew when to he get was, out. He knew when to get out. So, whenever Jurassic World comes out, I will see it, and we will see just what they come up with. Hopefully it will not involve the threatened story th- idea of the government is now controlling the dinosaurs and trying to turn them into weapons. Hey, are you saying you can't weaponize velociraptors? Wasn't that the whole point of what Newman was doing? I'm saying that I doubt the ability of the writers to make it come across as anything other than a rehash of Carnosaur, which I admit was just, here's a woman who wants to kill the whole human race, but I don't know where I'm going with this. I must be tired, too. Yeah. So I'm done. Phil, go. I'm uh, still plugging a little bit away at Final Fantasy Online, if I talked about them or not, but I talked about RPG Cats if you're more. Um, um, pretty, pretty impressed with the with the story, I guess, for an MMO, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, most didn't really care about the story. This one's pretty cool. Um, so we've been, we've been, uh, the wife and I've been playing. Um, still plugging away at Final Fantasy V. Uh, still enjoying that. Kind of got, kind of um, just did this whole thing with the, um, y'all might remember where you go into the sub, and now I have control of a sub, and I don't know where to go with the sub, because I must Well, missed... you just wait for Sean Connery to tell you what to do. That's really what I need right now, is a Sean Connery guide. Maybe like a, maybe Clippy shows up from Microsoft Office, but with Sean Connery's voice. Hey, I see you need help I with that. I see you are trying to write a letter. Yeah, there we go. So maybe that would be great. Uh, I hate to go to... too bad he's so involved in Scottish politics he won't take that job. Yeah. I hate to, to, to hit up an FAQ, so i try plugging a little bit more, but... Um, or just look up random Sean Connery clips and see what he says to you. Yeah, see see if that doesn't you inspire me. You are the man now, dog. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, oh, and, jeez, uh, before I forget, um, we got the Royale, the Battle Royale thing going on on the website, where we pair up games... Remember and that it is their... about... Battle systems, Battle systems, not what game you like best. That's right. Uh, so um, I think some of the rear polls are kind of coming down to popularity contest, but um, but that's no. That, that, that Chrono Trigger and... win had nothing to do with popularity. Um, so yeah, check uh, check that out on our website. Uh, you can vote. Uh, and be part of our reader vote. You can join in on the discussion on the forums. Lots of great conversation going on. Mac and I were chatting a little bit about this uh, yesterday, and uh, and we were both saying how, gosh, I think it's the most time either one of us has spent on the forums in the last you know, year. So, yeah, definitely go and check that out. But, yes, uh, it is getting late, so, so we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Kind of already said RP Gamer and other fun stuff. Make sure you leave us some reviews on iTunes. If you got some comments and questions and you don't want to do it on the forums, you're always welcome to write us. Uh, you can Twitter me at twitter.com forward slash jcservant. Mike is twitter.com forward slash jumaysin, S-Y-N. For Nancy, uh, you can shoot us off email. He is albertodyssey at hotmail.com. I am jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. You can try the e as well, but I think my filter gets some of that. Uh, gets so much spam. Anywho, um, 
but yeah, lots of ways to get a hold of us. And uh, of course, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at those locations, as well as better yet, subscribe to the RP Gamer, twitter.com forward slash RP Gamer. And you can keep up with all of our news reviews and articles that are going up on our website right there in your feed. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Manny and Scott, for being on the show. It uh, would have been a very short conversation about the 30 minutes basically was a demo showing my friend on my PC how good Fallout 3 looked on my laptop. That would have been a very quick show. Yeah, so glad you two were on to, yeah. to uh, give us some more deeper insight than the graphic fidelity. And uh, If the, you would to, like to hear more of my deeper insights and see pictures of my food, follow me on Twitter at MarinoEM, M-E-R-I-N-O-E-M. And what about you, Scott? You got a Twitter feed, I believe? Yes, I do, but more importantly, we should note that Manny and I are totally actually going to, for reals, start that RP Gamer sister website, fpsgamer.com. <laughs> it's true. It's by, the only by which I mean I will spend $10 to actually register the domain <laughs> the name, domain. <laughs> and I will totally attach a mostly empty uh, WordPress feed to it. Nice. I am Senior Shotgun Editor. <laughs> yes, Senior <laughs> Shotgun Editor. Uh, let us not leave tonight without me. Also, I've, I mentioned one of our sister podcasts, but uh, we also have another sibling in the family, the Active Topical Banter. You can also find that on the left-hand side of rpgamer.com. Uh, I believe you just uh, wrapped up an episode, didn't you, Scott? Yeah, that, that should be dropping around the same time as this one, where we will be explaining that assigning numbers to a bunch of opinions is kind of lame. <laughs> There you go. It's a great hey, topic to discuss. Didn't Jeremy Parrish's podcast have ATB in the title too? Maybe. What do you thought about that? I like he had was, like a little was eight that bit... retronauts or something. No, else? after retronauts, after oh. the one up implosion, it was like ATB, right? It might be. I can't remember. All right. Jeremy Parrish went a few different ways, and I'm not sure what it is, what he does anymore. But we know what we do. Talk about RPG. Thanks for tuning in. And see you next week. This is Three Dogs signing off from the RPG Backtrack. Ow! Well, I've never been to Spain, but I kind of like the music. They say the ladies are insane there, and they sure know how to use it. There's your Three Dog Night, Scott. Exactly. Okay. Have a good night. I'm hungry. Is the world on fire? I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have but one desire. And that one is you No other will do I've lost all ambition For worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission That you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of, believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire, I just 
heart, a flame in your heart. I don't want to set the world on fire, honey. I love you too much. I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart. You see, way down inside of me, darling, I have only one desire, and that one desire is you, and I know nobody else ain't gonna do. I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just wanna be the one you love. And with your admission that you feel the same, I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. Start a flame in your heart.